He's been a sex symbol since the ejaculate that made him. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Shakedown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the super patina-ridden and glossier-than-nuts, Justin Waddell. Justin, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, I don't I know, mean, Nick. Did you make your saving throw today? I went to, I went to uh, the store today. Me too. And uh, everybody was masking out, which made me happy to see. Yeah. Most of them had the mask actually up over their mouth and nose. Not all of them. I got to see Defiant Family at the pet store today. No masks? A- an entire family of super hicks without their masks on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they they were looking at everybody up and down like, like just you dare, just you dare say something at me. Yeah. Daddy was like, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he, um, you never know. He, he could have mask phobia, feels confined in there. You know, the whole pass it on to the whole family. I can't wait for us not to need masks. I hate them. You don't like them, huh? I hate them, but I get it. It's all right. Let's move on. But other than that, how are things? Other than the masks, how is everything going? Not good. Not good, my man. It's rough out there. Well, at least uh, we haven't lost any major stars that were in the prime of their uh, careers. Yeah. And at least uh, politics is fine. Yeah. And at least... uh, you know, uh, weather doesn't hate us. Yeah. Look at their weather's even coming up. What's, what's next guys. What's next earth, you know? And what's that? And you know, and, uh, probably worst of all is what's that Rex Chapman. Why is he out there? Who's Rex Chapman? He's like that viral Twitter guy, former like athlete guy. Is he, is he saying like uh pro Trump things or something? No, no, no. He's just like known for viral stuff. So he's just, people are constantly retweeting him or whatever. I just don't, I don't know him. I, I think, I, I recognize the name. I don't know him. Anyway, you mentioned Chadwick Boseman. Um, obviously, a fantastic actor. Did you see... I'm sorry to hear that he passed away, obviously. That's crazy and awful. But did you see his last movie? We talked about it a little bit. Did you ever end up seeing it? The Five Bloods? <sighs> that was his last movie. Yeah, or at least... Well, I think he has some coming out. Um, I, I haven't the, seen anything he's done since... I haven't even seen 21 Bridges yet. That's what I was going to. That's what I'm asking. Because I, I feel like that's a movie we could do. Yeah. It had, it, I it mean, has, I lose track after Bo and Jeff. So I'm anxious to see. Uh, I, I think that that might be a one to, to do here. Because I'm not sure a lot of people saw that. 
And uh, it's a movie that I think has a cast that we'd be interested in, you know? Yeah, I was refreshing I, iTunes, waiting for the remembering Chadwick Boseman uh, icon to show up on their front page. Yeah. And and lo and behold, it took about two hours. They had, um, but uh, did you see, the, did you see Spike Lee's movie, The Five Bloods? Did you see no, it? No, no. I'm going to see, I, yeah. I want I to. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't watch it because I had to watch Shakedown for this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I'm going to watch this. I'm, I think I'm going to watch Spike Lee's new movie. Now I'll watch Reach Me for... <laughs> Well, that shows that you're dedicated to your craft. I think the listeners uh, are mm-hmm. very proud of that fact. Mm-hmm. They are blown away that every Wednesday their life is enriched. Yeah. Uh, it's like they're being born anew every Wednesday. Uh, they instantly listen. They instantly rush on over to the comments section. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, maybe one of them will make a comment that has nothing to do with the episode. We get, we get some comments, a little tiny nah, comments. Okay. But, you know, if we, we, we did this for accolades, come on, dog. Well, we'd be... Uh, we are doing this for what? What do you What do you think? What, what's we're the... doing this because it's it's needed. It needs to ha- It needs to be out there. And who needs it the most? Most of the people. Uh, most. And most equaling you and me. Like the people that that, that read Screen Rant, you know, and um... <sighs> Screen Rant is that is that they're the ones that are getting roasted today. I think so. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. We do. I, I love seeing you. I love doing this with you. It makes me happy. And you know we're I think we're doing it for future, for the future folks, the future fans that right. discover us like after we're long dead, saying these guys were zooming in, these guys were kicking up the dust, you know these guys were unearthing facts about these incredible films, and uh, and and for some reason taking uh, stuff from the films to a desert island. Yeah, well, and know? the thing is, I mean, anybody can do. Scorsese, Tarantino, Spielberg, you know. Not everybody could do the dark. <laughs> it's a movie I feel we should revisit in the in the next 100 podcasts that we do. Why don't we always just do the dark at that? What, what number? Do you remember what number it was? No, it was a good one, though. Let's say it was number... 67 every 60 every like 167 we'll just do the dark again so it's like the creeper you know every 67 episodes he appears and hollows out a boy <laughs> we we have to you and i have to lobby start a petition for we want the it to be remastered in 4k the dark yeah, yeah. what would happen if if you could see more of the stuff in that film I think it would. I think we would see a downturn in our in our in our appreciation of it. Yeah. Uh, but either way, you know, it's you know we're happy to do it. We're happy to be out here with COVID. You know. Yeah. Did you I see actually, COVID today when I, you were out shopping? I didn't did see, COVID see COVID today, but it was funny. On Monday, um, I had uh, this like you know when you you get that feeling that you're being watched, and you don't know yeah. where it's coming from. I was at a bookstore. Yeah, okay. And uh, looking up from behind uh, a giant mound of whipped cream at a Frappuccino was COVID. Uh, just looking, just peeking at me right past the vanilla bean frap that he was downing. Well, I had a close call today at the store. Okay. And this woman, uh, this older woman, was shopping in the frozen section, and she had an arm, an armload of stuff, and she kept piling more stuff in. She goes, she turned to me and she said, I wish I had gotten a cart and I started to go over to help her. And I realized this, that's COVID. COVID is trying to get me to come over there. That's one of COVID's big tricks is the armload of groceries trick. Yeah. And I ran, I ran out of there 
you know, but, and then what I did, I did that. I jumped on my cart. I, I kind of ran and then jumped on my cart and sailed like a little yeah. kid. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm interested to know what brands COVID enjoys. There had to be some Jimmy Dean sausages. Yeah. Uh, Box of Lucky Charms, believe right. it or not. Yeah. Jimmy Dean sausage. Why, why does there have to be that? It just has to be. I just, I see that. I see it in my eyes. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I, COVID had like, um, a, like a, a three pack of chapstick. Oh, wow. Mm hmm. I thought it was weird that um, they had a, a COVID had an entire box of masks. Mm -hmm. like, who, who are you fooling? It's not weird. They're trying to buy them up. COVID's trying to buy them up so no one can get their hands on them. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, so hope everybody's staying uh, safe out there. Uh, Nick, it sounds like you are. Oh, I right. am. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not afraid of the outdoors. I'm not afraid mm -hmm. of going into places. Yeah, but I'm, either, uh, but I'm wearing the mask. I'm rubbing the hands with the rub. And uh, and what I do is when I go into a building, I like do I, I do like a Terminator scan, you know, like, you know, I do a Terminator scan. And I go, it's COVID in here. And if nobody responds, I just continue about my day. Right. And if I get a response, it's like a Marco Polo thing. I'll know, like I'll say that routinely. And COVID is required by law to respond. So right. I know exactly how far away COVID is for me at any given time. So I'm able to just go about my business and shop according to my distance from COVID. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I was on a phone call the other day and uh, COVID called me and I traced it to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, at least you did contact tracing. You yeah. know, that's good. That's good. That's, yeah. that's what the government won't do, but. Um, and I asked COVID to feed my fish. He did and left. It was amazing. So proud of COVID. But uh, yeah, so guys, now, you know, we've just cracked our knuckles a little bit. Let's talk about what this show is really about. Movie Myoscope is a show where we zoom in. We watch a film through a hose. Uh, we look out for kinks. Uh, we close an eye to make sure we see better. And we squint. And then as we unravel the hose, we pull out those little moments uh, that make or break. And those are the ones in which we share with the likes of you. So if we were watching Full Moon and Blue Water, we wouldn't be talking about the scene where Gene Hackman uh, gets inside of a giant ball and rolls down every mountain. We talk about the little moments of which there are a tremendous array in our movie today, Shakedown. 1998. Really? That, that correct? sounds good. I think. That's late. Um, that's late for that to come out. I feel like it's 1998. I think it's 88. Oh, I'm, that's what I meant. 88. Did I say 98? I'm so sorry. It is 88. It is 88. It's the 80s. I knew that. But what's so? Let me ask you. What were you doing in 1988? I was in uh, what? 11th grade? Yeah. No, 10th grade. So I was killing it. I was probably making Evil Dead T-shirts, Evil Dead Two T-shirts in a uh, in my in my graphic arts class, and I was. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, silk screen in the daylight side of things, making little movies, you know. I remember in actually in 88 was that was the year that we really went nuts with yeah. the movie making. At the school, in the neighborhood, we were yeah, I had a brand new video camera that was that you can edit with. And we oh, were wow. we were killing it, killing it. I've still got um, some of those movies. And uh, boy, parents should have euthanized good. me. They should watch them. You ever watch them? I, I dug them up when, she, when my buddy Sean was in town. 
and uh how are the racial politics of those films is it oh, is it close the, to the close to this close to shakedown or no it's not they're not great mm-hmm. they're, they're not great they're you know they're, they're, they're the ones in the ones in shakedown you're talking about or your film i'm just kidding um <laughs> What what year was it? You said it, we were eighth grade. No, I said I was in I was in uh, tenth grade. Tenth so you, grade, so you must high school. We, yeah, yeah, I was in high school. I graduated ninety one, so same time. Yeah, um, so you were not. You were ninth grade. And so, you know, I was. You know, I don't know what I was doing back then. You know, I, I remember I had some silk screen stuff going on in our class. I made a t shirt with a a burning toaster, a toaster right. with flames all around him and he was and he's smiling nice. and the kids and the kids in my art class liked it and they wanted me to produce it for them your life would have gone a lot better mm-hmm. i think that but i think that's the thing is i i the people have personified toaster long before me and long after i mean it wasn't i didn't you know what i'm saying yeah so i i had a class at the i think it may have been called communication mm-hmm. and the teacher said fuck and I thought yeah. that was a big deal. That was really his name was Tim. Remember that? And he said the word "fuck." Oh, toad! The toad is out. One of my toads is out, and he's about to eat a beetle. Yeah, you're sitting outside. Yeah, I've well, got I told three toads I, that live live out here. Have I discussed on this on the on the show before that I had a teacher, a math teacher that used to show us nude pictures of women in class? No, no, maybe I probably remember that though. So he would every year he had a slideshow, slide projector. I might have mentioned this before. Oh, and he would say, "Oh, that's one of mine." Oops, yeah, he would skip. Yeah, he went to Hawaii. He's and then he, yeah, he'd have these. And this is like a co-ed class. This is a we were like in eighth grade, seventh grade. It's pretty, pretty weird, my man. (laughs) His last name was Hardesty, and I used to call him in middle school. I used to call him Getting Hard Hardesty. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think uh, he's still doing it? I mean. He looked like Paul Schaefer back then. I imagine he's probably passed away by now. Well, maybe, maybe he's anticipating, you know, 2021. I don't know. I had a teacher who uh, would do this weird, dis- he would dislocate his elbow and do this weird trick at his desk. It's not a joke? Would, no, and it go to a weird angle because he was just fucking, he was awesome. Mm-hmm. But he, Mr. Tolbert, who is dead. And he would do this weird trick with his elbow and bend it weird and would look weird at the desk. And he would stare at you until you looked at him. And it was just fucking nuts. Yeah. I had a te- I did, we, I'm sure I talked all about this before, but I had a teacher that went nuts in our class. She started having mental problems and it escalated. <laughs> okay. And it, she would uh, make us read every day, wouldn't teach us. And then she started doing exercises in class later where, we were in a cave. She turned all the lights and she said only three of us could survive. <laughs> we had to decide. And then she accused uh, a few of us of homosexuality. This is seventh grade, I think. Um, she was yanked from the class. <laughs> but after months, it was a while. Yeah. Felt bad for her. Right? She was actually a nice teacher. She lost mm-hmm. her mind, though. That's all right. And so what happened was she saw Shakedown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it was new in the theater, I could see why. Someone said, "Someone said, make sense of the plot," and she went nuts. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, no. she's like, just Sutter Kane got her. 
So yeah, let's talk so, a little bit about Shakedown, Nick. You, what's your history with this film? Big fan, uh, growing up. For some reason, I remember it being because I was a big Peter Weller guy. Because mm-hmm. um, of RoboCop. Actually, because of Unknown Origin. Yeah, but RoboCop and, too, right? And RoboCop, of course. And and mm-hmm. I and then in this movie, I over, I over uh, remember how crazy he is in this movie. I thought he was this. And Buck Rubanza, of course, but mm-hmm. I, I would, I just thought he was so over the top and crazy in this movie, in the way that you know, in a way that like a Downey used to do, and people like that, where they were just so bigger and better than everybody else. Right. So I blew him way out of proportion with this he, movie. He's eccentric in this movie, but he's not like completely over the top all the time. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was delivering a tour de force, and uh, he didn't. <sighs> And it's certainly his movie. Like you know, this, this is built as a you know. I'm sure. I think uh, the history of this film is they they try to make it. You know, it's about two cops, or I'm sorry, about a cop and a and a lawyer. But um, they try to make it more like Lethal Weapon. Um, but I think that Weller's certainly the star of this film, and and, and Elliot Sam Elliot, the legendary Sam Elliot, is a gruff supporter of uh, doesn't get as many scenes, but he's he he he's in it a lot though. Yeah. He's in it a lot, and and it's so funny. His character is like uh, almost like a, he's almost like a uh, like an elemental that Peter Weller conjures when he needs him. <laughs> I know it's exactly. <laughs> he's a denim elemental. <laughs> he's a dirty elemental. He he's looking like a lumberjack throughout this entire film. He finally swaps it out his his shirt to like a black shirt later, but he's most of the time he's wearing like this red flannel red and black patchwork flannel like coat and his hair is magnificent both of their hair both <laughs> hairstyles in this movie both heads of hair i guess magnificent incredible in this movie yeah and you know elliot is kind of known for having uh, beautiful features you know and weller he's now completely bald i think but weller had i don't know what are, he had like kind of a suntanned a sun-kissed look in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a uh, he's a weird one. I, lo- I love it. There's the, the the reason Peter Weller is so great is because there's this weird detachment. Like you never feel a warmth coming out of him, Mm-mm. and it totally works with the way he makes. He feels like it. you know it's a joke because a little bit because he was RoboCop, but he feels like in movies he feels robotic. He feels like a cyborg, and it's not a criticism because he's. It's an it's a quality that not a lot of actors bring to the table. It sounds like I'm ripping him, but he's got this otherworldly quality about him um, that's hard to just kind of put your finger on. And then he and you're like, why did he go into acting? Like what? <laughs> I'd like to know his origin story. Well, I just like that he that after he went into acting, he went off to do, you know, the the, the educational stuff. Exactly, he became like a professor, right? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's amazing. He still acts, right? He still dabbles in acting, right? I think. I think so, yeah. Um, so, the this is the James Glickenhaus film. He's the guy that did mm-hmm. the Soldier and the Exterminator. So he was known for those. Have you those seen the, the Soldier? Have you seen? I saw. That? The, I saw. Yeah, I saw them both when I was a little man. This, uh, the Soldier shows up in this movie. They, they have clips of it, right? I mean, that was the that was the, that was that was old Ken Wall. Ken Wall in that, yeah, star of Wise Guy and Taking of Beverly Hills, right? Still, still around? Oh yeah, yeah. He's got to be. Ken Wall is indestructible. I don't think he acts. Uh, did he? 
Uh, Ken Wall, gentleman, continues to thrive, born in the 50s. Uh, I'm going to say he still acts, and to prove that point, I will say his last role was in 96. He must have retired then. wonder what happened. You know what happened? I think uh, Craig Bierko came and said, I got everything you got better. Yeah. Is it the W-A-H-L, right? That's how right. he spells like, last name. Like the razor blades, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love shaving my nuts thinking about him. Oh, man. I heard someone say that earlier today at Target. <laughs> you see, yeah, the shaving of Beverly Hills. Did you? All right, let's 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 talk about the beginning of this movie. It has, it's There's a scene which it kicks off. Ne- neither star is in, in, in the, involved in the first scene. Okay, well, first let me tell you this. You know how we have this connective tissue between uh, episodes of the movie Microscope, where yep. for a while there was ending in a graveyard. You know, Obviously, cops is always going to be a recurring theme. Mm-hmm. But this episode has a distinct tie-in to Reach Me, which we did in our last episode. Because in Reach Me, we had a director who was out of touch with music. And, yes. in, and in Shakedown, they tried to pawn the Red Hot Chili Peppers off as a rap band. It was a Chili Pepper song. Yeah. yeah, it's before their before their 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 huge bout with fame. Then, this well, is, this, this, this is was, as they were climbing into. It was. Into I think fame. it was off of one of the George Clinton produced albums that they did before mm-hmm. they hit big with Mother's Milk, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's so obviously Chili Peppers, and it's so mm-hmm. uh, obviously not rap that it made me giggle a little bit just to see how um, a bunch of out of touch. Is that what he's playing at the, on the uh, his his, his uh, ghetto blaster, as they put it, the yep. drug dealer? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, you, it starts at night. You see a, a man light up, uh, shake out some um, crack disguised. as in a, a, It's hidden in a cigarette pack, shakes it out, smokes it up. Um, <clears throat> and then this guy approaches him under a bridge in the dark. And it turns out this guy that's been smoking crack is a drug dealer. Right. And the man approaching him looks like it may be a customer, but it's ominous. And the guy said, I'm looking for lightning. That's what he says. And I was like, oh, cool. A Ben Franklin reference, you know, like yeah. kick things off. Right. Right. And uh, but then the drug dealer goes to, to do something to his ghetto blaster, turn off the music. <laughs> the ghetto blaster, as I, I keep calling it, the boom box. And um, and then it cuts to the next scene where both men are. um lying prone on the ground, right? Lying prone on the ground, shot. And there's a there's obviously a shootout that's taking place and uh one of them is dead and the person that's dead is is not the drug dealer. It's the It's Jude Sicalella. Yeah. Okay. So talk Gary. about who, Yeah. He, he's just one of those I love him cuz he's like one of those character actors who never he never became a big deal. Mm-hmm. He has every right being uh you know, a Zunza or a or a Yulin or one of those guys, and he never pulled right. it off, but he still appears in stuff from time to time. And I just remember uh, in Glengarry Glenn Ross, he, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue, but he's got an integral part in that show, in that movie. Right. And ever since Glengarry, I would always spot him and get excited when I saw him in a movie, and I totally forgot he was in this, and he has maybe 11 seconds of screen time in this movie. He plays a dead body, basically. <laughs> yeah, he gets shot in the upper chest and expires, in the, and it turns out he's an overco- undercover police. Um, and, and corrupt as nut, but you know the cops are angry, 
um, because one of their own has been gunned down and they think murdered by this uh, in cold blood by this uh, this drug dealer. And the drug dealer is played by somebody who went on to have a career. Richard Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. Best known and, for what? As a TV show, right? He's in a lot of stuff. He's in a billion things. Yeah. I mean, er, yeah. I mean, he was actually in the hidden, which we see the marquee of it in one of the scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was on. He's actually on Bosch, but I thought it was. Actually, it was funny because I get him mixed up with, I think, Howard Rollins, the guy that murdered himself from In the Heat of the Night. Mm-hmm. And he did not murder himself. Um, but he's, yeah, he's one of those guys who was ubiquitous throughout the 90s in, in TV shows. And he's in Law and Order. Yeah. The one show I do remember him from that he was, that was, it was very short lived, but he was good in it was that show Good versus Evil that also had Clayton Rohner. Do you ever oh, see that show? Yeah. And it was like a good little, like, kind of funny, like, but it didn't last very long. And, and it's one of those shows that people that, that really liked it or, you know, or just love it. But he was the lead. He was on. one of the leads, right? Yeah. Him and him and other Clayton Rohner were they're like, what is Clayton the Rohner known for? Cause a lot of people are fans of that guy. And I don't remember him being in a ton of shit. Yeah. He was in, um, he was in just one of the guys he was in happy. What's the, what's the one that April fool's day. Okay. Um, you know, he's, he shows up all the time. Like he'll show up, like he was in, um, Ozark season one, like just for like a scene or two. Um, he's on breaking. I think he was on breaking bad for like a second or something. Like he, he just shows, he's just one of those actors that always showing up and stuff. And I mean, he's I got a great he, name. He's had like a, yeah. in a second life basically. Cause Scooby Doo always calls Shaggy his Roner. And it's, um, it's a nice little touch. It is nice. Yeah. Uh, and so that happens. And then, Peter Weller and Peter Weller actually figures that's where he figures. And he comes in and he's going to defend this drug dealer in court. Right. um, From a murder charge. And then, um, so that's kind of the setup of the film, but you know, like Nick said, there's a, there's a corrupt police force. Um, How hard was it for you to believe that that was possible? And they are, (laughs) they are robbing drug dealers. They're taking, uh, you know, money, uh, and, and buying Porsches and they're working. I, it looks like they're even working with some of the, the main drug kingpins of the city. Um, and so then Sam Elliott plays a cop and he's, he, you know, he comes in a little bit later as a good cop and somebody that, uh, has cocked an eyebrow at some of the corruption. And now he can finally do something when partnered with one Peter Weller. Right. Am I describing this incredibly? Yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, we meet Peter Weller. Now, his relationships are a way big focal point in this movie, which is not necessary, but they are a big point of this. And the first scene where we see Peter Weller, and this is the only scene I really remembered from the movie, was that he's obsessed with Jimi Hendrix. It's a very memorable scene. And he has breakfast, and he's loving Jimmy. And once again... He's he's lip syncing or singing along to Purple Haze. Right. Which is probably where all the money went in this film was getting the mm-hmm. rights to that. But once again, out of touch, they call it heavy metal. <laughs> well, so well, that's an argument. So Peter Weller's fiance strolls in in the morning. They're getting ready for work. Peter Weller's concocting some insane orange Julius that he's like homemade orange Julius he's making. And he's also going <laughs> to 
I think I believe he's going to pop popcorn, going to cook up some popcorn <laughs> for breakfast. And um, and then his fiance comes in complaining about the music. I believe this is breakfast time. And and she says, I wish you wouldn't play heavy metal. She's calling Purple Haze. They and you know Peter Willett takes exception to that. He's mad. He was, says not. He says not it's it's, uh, it's actually death metal. Yeah, he does. He, he does say that. But he's wearing it. He has an incredibly weird tie on, and that's one of the, his his characteristics in this this uh, movie is he's always wearing a bad tie. Yeah. And the characters comment on it. I tried to laugh about it with you. Um, and send you a screenshot of one of his ties, but the characters make fun of his ties, so it's intentional. Like that he wears bad ties, and the second tie he wears in this movie looks like the Buffalo Wild Wings logo. <laughs> it's a super zoom. <laughs> it is accurate. It's an accurate zoom. Um, so the, the the popcorn that he is popping, I thought was a made up brand for the movie. It's called Jolly Time Popcorn. Have oh, you ever heard? Of totally that? real. So I I didn't recognize the um, the brand name. I didn't recognize the brand name. But I didn't you know the design of it. It's like in a Pringles can, and I looked it up. And there's a, a long history of this company online, and I I'm not going to go over it, but it was founded by a man named Cloyd Smith. C L O I D, and I was like. That is incredible. That's an incredible first name that has been lost to time. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's, you know, not, uh, maybe he's, Cloyd is from Sweden. I didn't you think You threw me hard. a nasty swinging curve there. I was expecting a Y. And it's an I? Cloyd. C-L-O-I-T. Yeah. Makes yeah. me want to watch the movie again. His, and his middle name is COVID. So it's Cloyd <laughs> COVID Smith. It's a longtime popcorn company. Nick's right; it still exists. I, I, I I'm going to look for it next time I'm at the store. And it's called uh, Jolly Time. Jolly Time. Yeah. What if are you a popcorn fan? I, I make I, it quite I a bit. I love popcorn, but it makes me ill. Remember, oh. we go to movies all the time, and I'm afraid to eat popcorn because it makes me makes me not feel well. But I love it. I just feel yeah. like it's it's expanding in me, and I I don't feel well. I um I don't snack too much these days, so I I do fire up some popcorn. And uh, I make it on I make it on the stove, Nick. I make it in a in a in a pot. What's that brand? Jiffy Pop or some shit? I got Jiffy Pop. Uh, I got I get Orville. Yeah. Orville Redenbacher still he's still slinging corn, but I haven't gotten Jolly Time. See, I was thinking about order. reaching out to you, and this is uh, this is kind of this shouldn't be on the air, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I was thinking about us going into business together. You you keep talking about how you're not thrilled with your career right now, and thinking about moving, you know, trying to find something that really invigorates you. And I was thinking, why don't mm. we start a popcorn company called Malachi's? <laughs> you know, and, and 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 we can have like a little, like a gold sticker on it says, approved by he who walks between the rows. You know, it could be really good. All sorts of different, like we can have like, you know, Horton, Horton Heat uh, and like Hamilton Orange, like different flavors. You know, you can yeah. have like Isaac Newton flavored, you know, all sorts of crazy shit. I'm loving it, and I think that King. I bet if we reach out to Stephen King, he does that dollar, that baby. dollar baby thing. Yeah. Maybe he does that. Does he do the same thing with merch or with product? Well, I'm just thinking. You know, it's like you, you think about you get your your commercials mm-hmm. for Malachi's popcorn. You know, and the nice commercial, and uh, 
you know, and you know, like Dennis Haysbert has had a wonderful secondary career as a pitch man right. and as has Ving Rames. I actually, those Arby's commercials never fail to entertain me, but I was thinking if you can get Courtney games off the scrap scrap heap, uh-huh. you do your Malachi's popcorn and you can have like a catchphrase. Uh, you know, you can say like, come get Malachi, even outlanders lead it. Or you can get, you know, you know, like, or you can just, you know, you can just have him look at the camera and go, Outlander! <laughs> and then you hear the sound of fresh popcorn. Can't lose. I, I like this idea. And um, is there any way we can, I don't know, is this, is the technology advanced to a way so whenever the corn pops, it can pop into like the image or the, the facial features of Courtney Gaines. Every, every kernel pops into a white puff that looks like Courtney Gaines. Well, I, got some, possible. I got some good news for you. <laughs> there, it was a failed carrot top popcorn product yeah. that was made that was supposed to pop in his visage. And it came out looking a whole lot like Courtney Gaines. So? And he abandoned it. He said, it's not muscular enough, and none of the props would pop. <laughs> do, they try to, do they try to pop props? Yeah. They call it popcorn. <laughs> and then he was going by carrot pop. It was like, it was perfect. <laughs> but like, he was displeased with the, with the, yeah, with it, the demo. He's like, yeah, it looks like an emaciated muscular me, which is sadly identical to Courtney Gaines. <laughs> he hated the prototype. Yeah. So, so he those, could have been rich. Those could be had for a song. So yes, you can get your wish there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Please don't leave this in, cut it out so we can go into business together. I'd yeah. be thrilled. I'd be thrilled. No. So, um, okay. Let's, let's dig deep here. What was this? Film uh, well, I don't want to move on from this breakfast scene yet. I okay. mean, why, why do that? At a half hour in, he opens the refrigerator, right? To get to, he's concocting this shake, much like Stone Cold. Remember when Stone Cold is making that crazy? In, uh, Are you kidding me? How do I make that crazy shake for the dragon? I was reminded of <laughs> Stone Cold. It's like a Komodo dragon. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Something. It's not even a Komodo dragon, but some kind of dragon. And, um, uh, I, he opens the fridge and he has that feature in the refrigerator, which I forgot about in the door. There's indentations for eggs <laughs> that you can just, you can lay out your dozen eggs. Yep. Uh, you take those out of the case and put them in the door. I forgot about that feature. Can, it's I, such tell a, you, can I tell you about that feature? Yeah. Fucking nightmare. <laughs> I cannot tell you <laughs> cleaning a dried, broken egg out of that shit as a just out of my family's house bachelor what a nightmare they don't do that do they do that anymore no yeah they do they do yeah i haven't seen it for so long i missed it what other indentations well they have now they have one it's an egg beaters indentation it's like (laughs) oh man i missed it i missed that feature anyway so um uh yeah baby mcginley in this Baby John McGinley. And he's still wonderful, and he looks exactly the same. Baby John McGinley in Point Break. Baby John McGinley in this. In Platoon, which was he's before just, this. He just looks like a little cherub. He's so cute. Pinch his cheeks, you know? McGinley is a force of nature that is always great, uh, underappreciated, and very versatile. Very versatile. 
mm-hmm. and also obviously a big advocate for his child's uh what is it his child had was uh down syndrome or something he has maybe he, yeah he's a yes, big I... he's a big advocate for child's uh disabilities and whatnot yeah he kind of got famous and he was always in these kind of character like small roles and movies always good and then on scrubs he really like i he can't had a really believe scrubs role. was the engine that blew him up that blew but him he's up. so funny on that show and he's and it, it used him perfectly he was so mean and funny and then also you know sad he, he just had he did a lot of he did good work on that show he did but is he is he still killing it yes Where he is, is he? oh he's still out there uh uh great in wall street great in that movie and also uh he was the best part of seven what's he in seven he plays california who is you see sitting in a helicopter in one scene his name's california yep and seven because i remember um of, of course i bought the novelization of that movie before but also i remember uh back then Reading it, seeing a cast like a cast list of that movie, and seeing John C. McGinley as California, and that may have been the most excited I was about the cast of that movie before it came out. And then he's in it for a millisecond. Uh, yeah, that, he must have got cut out then. So he, okay, he, I got a. He's mi- cast often as a cop. I guess that's what we're trying to say. I've got he's a, always. Yeah, go I've got one of the biggest zooms in our show's history. By the way, all right, let's hear it. So the stunt director for this film died during the making of this movie. Yeah. And he was replaced by a man named Jack Gill. Okay. Now, Jack Gill is still working. His, his family is, a, is the premier stunt family in Hollywood. But do you know, Mr. Waddell, who Jack Gill's cousin is? None other than our big-dicked friend and poker buddy, Dave Wagner. Are you serious? Dave Wagner... Is Jack Gill the stunt director for Shakedown's cousin? And this was the movie that made him. This was his big coming out party. Well, yeah. So that you said the stunt director passed away. He had, he got cancer. He didn't die in an accident. He actually, unfortunately, just uh, you know died of cancer, which was awful. But um, this guy replaced him, and and he. So we we have like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon situation going on with this guy. Absolutely. Nice. So it's so Dave Wagner. For those who don't know, Dave Wagner is a guy I've known for a long time, twenty years mm-hmm. plus. We worked together on three different in three different career uh, paths, and he sure. plays in our poker game. Still a friend, and yeah, uh, yeah, I, cr- I crush him every time. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of neat that we have uh, a little uh, little. You know, you know. Obviously, I've had a, a storied career, and I've met a lot of very mm-hmm. famous people. But it's nice to see that I'm not the the connective tissue here is it's a friend of ours so it's nice to see because yeah. you know i'm a big player and a lot of people have interacted with me and i could easily name several people from this who i've interacted with but sure sure but that's not a zoom that's like a that's a you know that's not even changing a lens let me i might tell you this you know it's is interesting and you might want to i don't know if you want to leave this in or not but i've i asked you know when we first met you know and I, i'm getting to know dave i was like we're you know we're asking just how friends do asking each other questions and i said are you related to any like stunt performers anybody in the stunt industry things like that and he just said flat out looked at me straight in the eye and said no <laughs> that was a tell and, and I, so i believe him now you think you know a person he he's he's connected in that way huh yeah yeah uh the only downside is, is he campaigned real hard for Shape of Water and didn't get it. <laughs> Poor guy. 
Oh, we we didn't say this yet, but this movie's called Shakedown for possibly no reason <laughs> other than it sounds cool. It sounds better. But that was originally this movie is originally called Blue Jean Cops. Or Blue Jean Cop. Was it Blue Sing- Jean Cop singular? singular? Yeah. The Blue Jean Cop. And it and it was released that way with that title across the world. Here it's known as Shakedown, and it was retitled as Shakedown. Um Blue Blue Jean Cop is a awful title. It's an awful title. <laughs> awful. Um, but also it's kind of cute. And that's the thing is that in the movie, the guys keep talking about these blue jean cops, these undercover cops. Um, one that, you know, Sam Elliott is certainly a, one of them. But these these are blue jean cops gone bad. Well, he's not the main character. So it'd be like calling mm-hmm. Rares Lost Ark Marcus. What is his name in this? Do you remember? Sam Elliott's? He's got, yeah. yeah, I can tell you what his name is because it's amazing. Yeah. Because I wrote it down because I can't believe you don't remember. Because it's the same name as the finest musician in history. Okay. Richie, Richie Marks. <laughs> is it really Richie Marks? told me nothing. Words that they say. He's kind of got Richard Marks hair in this. <laughs> Richard Marks has dark hair. By same the way, way it's got Richard that. Marks, heavily active on social media. He is. He's very, uh, he's very active, very uh, liberal, and uh, very angry. Um. Very outspoken. I, you know, I don't follow him, but I certainly don't mind reading his uh, retweets. So I keep hearing know. Richie Marks, and I'm giggling like an idiot because I'm thinking of Richard Marks and his poodle hair singing <sighs> Hazard Part One. Hazard Part One is an underrated song. I will say this: it's my favorite in the Hazard series. So it's a that was the the videos that were it was it contained a murder mystery. And, you know, if you watch the video, he's like, I left it down by the river or something like that. I can't remember how it goes. Do you remember how it goes? And all I remember pretty... is the video had a lot of blue lens filters in it. Yeah. And so there, it's a murder mystery video and it was supposed to tell you're supposed it's kind of like Twin Peaks ish a little bit. I think it was taking a little bit of a page from Twin Peaks. It was you're supposed to uh, try to solve the mystery while you watch the video. And I just kept screaming at my TV. It's Marks. <laughs> it's Marks. Yeah. You know, and uh, but uh, yeah, so he so that's and I think you're right. I think it maybe he had a part two song. That's a really strange. Well, I mean, you don't call some hazard part one without, you know, dropping a serious sequel on it. Or do you? That's true. Or do you? I love that song. I can't remember how it goes, though. I wish I did. Well, I don't think hazard's not in the in the chorus. I don't think. I think he says something like, I swear I left her down by the river. I think that's part of it. But let's let's be honest. Don't mean Mm -hmm. nothing was what made us a big Richard Marks. No in public. He had, a, he had a couple hits though. It wasn't just one hit. That was his big first one. But he had, he had a big, bunch. He had a that. big ballad too. A big, big yeah. ballad. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The toad. Married to married to uh, Daisy Fuentes. Good man. So my little toad. This is Dickfur. Mm-hmm. He came out and he just ate the shit out of a beetle half his size. You call him Dickfur? Yeah, because my big one is Terrence. Is that a spies like us joke? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where it is from? I didn't know it's not from Spies Like Us. I just I, I I use it to make my son laugh, but um, but yeah, man, he just ate the daylights out of that fucking beetle. Yeah, Ringo. <laughs> yeah, he was known as the edible beetle. That's true. Um, <laughs> so we 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 are not getting very far, but we meet Peter Weller. He's gonna start to defend this guy, and all of a sudden, Nick, all of a sudden. A new flame, 
an old flame actually has entered the scene. The in this Patricia Charbonneau in this, and she is looking a little bit like Jamie Gertz. I'd say no, I don't no, know no. She she her. looks. You know when, when not Gertz like not Gertz. No, like. Jamie Gertz is very pretty. This woman is very pretty. This as well. girl is. I would say she has a a mannish thing going on. Mm-hmm. And okay. and also a very she got harsh features like strong features like very angular. Oh no! I found her quite fetching. And guess who else finds her fetching? Peter Weller. He is in love with this woman, but she has left his life, I, and he doesn't know why. No, so I, he is. I gotta. I gotta. Sh- I gotta call shenanigans. What are you talking about? Okay. Because she is not more attractive than the other sp- girl in this. She's definitely more other. interesting of a person in the plot because mm-hmm. the other one is a ditz. But when you see her place of residence, you realize why Peter Weller wants her. Why? She has a penthouse overlooking Central Park. Yeah, she ends up being the prosecutor to his defense attorney in this, you know. And so uh, they start falling back in love, zoom in. I mean, I'm just going to give you a little uh, heads up here. While he's about to be married to this other woman uh, who was played by an actress, actress who I recognize. And I, had, I was like, how do I know her? How She's do in, I know her? She was in like a horror movie, right? She was... The sister in Sixteen Candles. That's where I recognized her from. And at the end of this movie, she looks exactly like that character. Yeah, she. That's Blanche she, Baker. Blanche Baker in this. Yeah, she's still she's still working. I looked her up. She's like directing, writing. She's still working. She was in Rod Deal. Can't hate that. And she's actually kind of good in this movie, I'd say. And she didn't get much to do, but like she's kind of fun in it. Like she, uh, like Nick says, she plays a little bit of a, a dummy, but she also um, has some back and forth with Weller that that are pretty pretty fun but you know this movie is very very ramshackle yeah this it's a weird plot you know it it kind of it kind of coasts and then it coasts and every once in a while there's a action scene that then sam elliott does insane things in and then it goes back back to this relationship drama and this courtroom drama um and even the courtroom drama is still a relationship drama because Peter Weller and this woman are sleeping with each other. He's having an affair on his fiance. And um, but then in the courtroom, they're antagonists, you know, so. My, I don't know. My little dude's having trouble with that with that beetle. What does that mean? His mouth is wide open. And he's looking to the heavens and his eyes are closed and he's trying to I think he's trying to vomit it back out. OK, you're going to you want to do a can you do a Heimlich on a on a on a toad? Mouth the cloaca, maybe? I don't know. Kiss it real quick. See what it turns into. What if it turns into Ken Wall? We find out where he's been all these years. I don't want that. Man. Um, okay, so yeah, yeah. You nailed it. Love story, great. And so, yeah, like, um, uh, there's a, th- this scene, this movie is very focused on prison life. And if, if you're in prison, Sucks. You're, gar- you're guaranteed to be raped. And that's a thing they bring up all the time. Um, uh, there, at one point, uh, one of the policemen, I think he's offering the drug dealer who's now in prison, a condom said, do you want to, do you want a condom? Yeah. Because you're going to get raped here. Update for the listeners. The beetle, or actually it's the not, beetle it's not the drug, out. The beetle is that's out. That's good. Yeah. It's not the drug dealer, but it's another character. But yeah, so the, there's, this movie has a very, it's fixated on that a little bit and it's fixated a little bit on condoms. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, Peter Weller meets up, catches up with Sam Elliott in a, he's been like living in a theater. It looks like a movie theater, a porno theater, I think, or something, not a porno theater, but a, uh, an old, old 
disgusting theater. Nick's taking a picture of the frog. Um, well, and the beetle. Um, he's left the beetle behind. He's done with it. He killed it. He's moved on. Um, you know, that, so yeah, Sam, that's another thing that you, you say that that's another thing that we've lost. The, the O, the O in porn. That it was what? porno was like what everybody called it back then, and I think it's gone now. It it's, it this is a, this isn't a porno theater. It's a it's just a rundown theater. But later they do visit like kind of a uh, a sex shop, I guess, where people are renting porn or buying it. So anyway, you know, Sam Elliott's sleeping during the movie. Weller wakes him up, wakes him up, and they go into this bathroom that is just painted over with graffiti. And I wrote down some. That's one of my favorite things to to look at the set dressing when they graffiti stuff. There's some uh, uh, there's some yeah, homophobic there's some stuff. There's some homophobic stuff. There's a a penis shooting, of course, classic shooting jizz everywhere. You got to put that in there. A cu- and it's cute. It's a cute drawing. Yeah, that's a cute but, jizz. But they had a couple things I thought you would like. One of the, I believe, one of the uh, <laughs> scrawlings on the wall says Moon Man, <laughs> which is great. Uh, there's another one that says Killer Cop. Okay, but this is the best. In big block letters. And again, sort of hidden. Not all the letters showing, but this is what this it says. It says, practice safe sex. That's what it says. Someone graffitied that in the, in the, in the wall, on the wall. So there's a message here. Yeah. Like I said, condoms. That's why there's no other glicking houses out there. Mm-hmm. Elliot's voice is so low on this. That sometimes the mic doesn't seem to pick up what he's what he's saying. Do you notice that? I, I did not. His can you do you have a Sam Elliott impersonation in you? I mean, I, I, I Big Lebowski. Yeah, like your style, dude. That's, that's not a good. It's not a good one. It's not bad. No, but like he he kind of has that like. Whoa. I like I like I like it when he gets a sarsaparilla. He's like thank you. He doesn't say thank you. He says thank you. It's pretty good. Married to the same lady since the eighties. Good for him. Kat, Catherine Ross, right. all, an actress in her own right, right? Isn't she? She was kind of big in the seventies. She's great. Early yeah, 80s. wasn't yeah. she in The Graduate? Yes, and other. She's another, and she's in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Nick, which Sam Elliott could have been in. You know, he looks like a cowboy at all times. For the listeners, I need to. The little beetle is creeping away bashfully. Survived. The frog is creeping away in the other direction. So I witnessed uh, probably the most traumatic experience of two lives just now. The beetle somehow defended itself uh, successfully against the frog swallowing. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it did like a farted in its mouth? I think. What what do you think happened there? Well, you know, beetles are are hard objects. They got little spiny legs. I think he probably Mm. spread everything in there. It said, I'm too Mm. big. I'm too big. And the frog's like, you know what? You might be, or Toad, you might, you might be onto something. Let me regurgitate you, and then we will go about our business. And they both you, signed an accord me, and have moved away. Let me ask you a question. Do you consider the beetle the, the beetle the turtle of the insect world? No, I think it's more the E. <laughs> Another entourage joke. Every episode. Um, living in a movie theater, Nick. Have you ever considered living in a movie theater? You're such a movie fan. I did basically live in a movie theater for a couple of uh, seasons. Uh, okay. I, once you worked in one. I worked in one, but before I worked in one, mm-hmm. we've told this story. I, I spent a whole summer in one because my parents worked at the t-shirt shop that my relatives rented or owned. Mm-hmm. And and then when I worked at the movie theater, that was my place. 
and I would, I, I basically created a little living space behind one of the screens I know what that, that was means. used for a wide variety of purposes. I know what that means. <laughs> so what movie were you getting frisky uh, behind? Red October. I remember Red October. Because wow. when they zoomed in and his mouth start, stopped speaking Russian, I finished. <laughs> wow, getting getting frisky in there, huh? Um, trying to think. I held hands with someone during Glory. <laughs> when, during the whipping sequence. You know what's funny is, I, did I tell this story that I had a friend? who yeah just the, just that part <laughs> i had a friend in my neighborhood who grew up together and his, he had two little sisters mm-hmm. uh, and we were tight really tight um and the sisters i never got along with but anyway flash forward like seven or eight years i was working them i was actually managing the movie theater at the time mm-hmm. and i caught one of his sisters getting fucked behind a chair in the theater jesus christ and i had to kick her out and the guy she was with in front of the world Cause it was so obvious and people were complaining and it was, and she was maybe 14. Holy shit. What movie? Oh, I should. I don't, I don't know. I was too busy. was freaking out. Could you paint a better picture? What was the, no, I'm just kidding. That's awful. It may, ha- it, it may have been Delta force too. You, t- you did your job. That's what they train you for. And, and right? then I had to call him and tell him hmm. about it because I, I mean, I didn't know what else to do. I can't. I can't let it just go. Yeah. What, what? What's the? What's the? When you're when you're policing the the movie theaters, the theater, and you're like looking for people that are acting. Uh, like, what's the? What level of sex is it? Heavy petting that you don't allow? Is that fine? Is it? Is it kissing? What? What are you? At what point are you getting in there? Like a chaperone? I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty laid up? back. Like unless yeah. the three guys bukkaking onto her, I usually back off. <laughs> Her name is Crystal. Yeah. Was it dark in there? <laughs> the funny thing. Is, well, I mean, <laughs> I could go someplace. Um, I was talking about the theater lighting, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to head you off at the pass. Um, so they come out. So they come out after this movie theater. Uh, you know this this rendezvous where Peter Weller and and Sam Elliott are friends, and you know they work together. And you know Weller's trying to ask him about these. You know, could cop, could these this cops be dirty? Like this guy was shot. What was he doing? The drug dealer is like this guy. Look, he I didn't know he was a cop. He didn't. He looked like he's going to kill me. And so Weller's you know Spidey sense goes up, and he asks Elliot about um, corruption on the police force, and they have a, they share a hot dog together at a hot dog stand and i zoomed in i looked at that hot i, I did like a double take that's the hot dog stand exactly the same one from sleep <laughs> exactly. we, we just did another movie where hot dog stands were was it devil's advocate remember when we was it yeah remember when we used to do when we first started doing this we noticed how many movies had from the 80s had racquetball sequences right <laughs> now you know it's the neck and neck with how many times a hot dog stand yeah. But the, the one thing that I think is cute in this scene when they're talking and Weller is ordering Elliot food because he's broke and um, the hot dog vendor has no lines, but he is trying to eye act a storm up like he is really getting in there with his eye action and like, you know, like he's like <laughs> intensely listening to the conversation between the two like he's like he's watching like a tennis match. 
he really he's and that yeah, I looked him up. He's one of the best eye actors in the business. Yeah. 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 Ch changed his name to uh Jeff Eyes. So <laughs> and around this working. time there are two uh people who went on or two very known guys. We see Vondi Curtis Hall from Heaven's Prisoners in a very quick moment in this film. Yep. And we see Paul Bartel. Yep. Paul yep. Bartel. Paul Bartel. Of uh, eating Raul and so many other films, him, Mary Warnov's uh, Beau. He plays a big yeah, B movie I, guy. I think Long passed away. He, he, uh, yeah, he he plays a judge in this that doesn't set bail for some bad guys, and um, the bad guys immediately they, he sets bail at a million. Everybody is like, it's not enough. It's not enough. He's like, no, I said a million, and they the bad guy immediately pays it. <laughs> so he was wrong. He looks dejected. That's his one scene. But Hope, I told you Hope McElhaney shows up later on. Like yeah, I, I totally spirit. didn't catch that. And and usually yeah. I'm always looking for him. Like even when I'm not supposed to. I am surprised that you did not see him in this. You love that man. I do. I do. This is a streamlined, baby-faced Hope McElhaney. Can I zoom know, in? Pre Play blackjack with Hope McElhaney. Did you really? Yeah, and, and you did with Jason Patrick as well, same, right? Same movie, same blackjack table. And we've gambled. You've gambled with the best. Me, Holt, Jason Patrick. Joseph Kahn. Yeah. You have, yeah, I play poker with Joseph Kahn. That's right. I remember kicking fucking ass. It was the best. So we finally get some time between Mr. Sam Elliott as Richard Marks and uh, and Roland, played by, by Peter West. Oh, um, and Sam Elliott tells a wonderful story. Uh, not, not before old Petey Weller tells his story, though. That's also wonderful. Okay, tell me his story. Well, so yeah, um, Peter Weller talks. He he's talking about his love story. I think to Sam Elliott, right? And he's um and he says this, and he talks about his origin story. I wanted to know the actor's origin story, but we get Roland's origin story. And he says, "Once upon a time, <laughs> all I wanted to do was play the tenor sax." That's right. 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 But he gave it up. His dad was like, you need to do something with better with your life. And he's regretted that ever since he, he, he went into law and he's he's displeased with his career. And he wants he wishes he would have followed the, the sax path. Now, we never see him with a reed in his mouth in this movie. Right. You know, we never see him. We have to wait for Fantastic Four for that. <laughs> we never see him blowing toots. Is that what they do with saxes? We never see him uh, jazzing it up, I don't think. But if he started running around with a saxophone in this movie, it would not be out of place. Right. Yeah. Can I tell and you so though, then, Sam Elliott is doggone right. If now if he was a trombone player, I get it, ask, doggone. I get it. Ask a trombone player, you got some serious swing. You got some fucking balls. You, you're going to be getting the ladies. Saxophone, you can go fuck yourself. Is that what Elliott said? No, no. That's what I'm saying. It's like okay, the yeah. trombone is a fucking man's instrument. Still, Ten, saxophone <sighs> go fuck itself. The tambour, the the trombone's a dangerous instrument. You could really knock some people silly with that thing. It's a weapon. Um, zoom in. The trombone, now, trombone music is fucking amazing. Seriously. Do uh, okay. So do um, uh, talk about what Sam Elliott then one ups his story. <sighs> he plays catch to death with a dog, which he, is a wonderful story, where he's playing catch with a dog in a high rise. And he and that ball goes out, and the dog goes out after it, and the dog is destroyed on the pavement, and he sneaks out. You mean you're you're leaving out important parts of the story. He says he talks about the love of his life that he met 
he's like, I met her at a Shakespeare in the park. That's a you know? good, that's a good Elliot. <laughs> that's what he says. And, uh, then he went back to her place and she was getting changed. I guess she was getting changed or went to take a shower or something to, to I guess to, she's going to lay it all out on the table. They're going to get the frisky. And while he's waiting, she's a cute little dog. As Nick said, they start playing fetch with it. And he, he throws the ball out of an open window. <laughs> 13 stories to its death. He throws up. That's and right. Leaves. He throws up and leaves. Yeah, and he goes, Never saw her again. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. That's a very. He he, he didn't want to explain why he murdered her dog. (laughs) And the thing is that he didn't know. That's what exactly what turns her on. That's her kink. And then they cut was there. Cut to her in the shower. She's like, "Do you know my name?" When um, (laughs) (laughs) no, that's Eric Clapton. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god! I, the I think I, you know, the funny thing is, is uh, I want to see uh, a movie where this lady gets gets out of the shower because well, you can start with her in the shower too. But her coming out, he's gone. The windows open. The dog's gone. That's a movie. And then, of course, the the bellhop shows up, and he's got a wet thing in his hands. He's like, "Is this?" And the dog's name was, "Is this Poughkeepsie?" He uh, he, Sam Elliott does not have a love interest in this film. I think that his he he, you know, Peter Weller gets two. Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott does he gets zero, but he has this story, and it is a strange story. It's a weird moment in this film, but Sam Elliott is such a good actor that you're kind of hanging on the edge like of every word he says. Well, it sounds like a joke. It sounds like he's telling a joke. Because <laughs> Sam Elliott, he, I mean, he may very well be just telling a tale out of school. He's like, you know. And that's how, and that's how I got my fucking blue jeans. <laughs> um, but pretty soon, for some reason, then it cuts to another cameo where Sam Elliott is starts to threaten the life of one Harold Perrineau Jr. Really? Yeah, he starts to, he shakes this guy down, I guess I'll use the title of the movie, to get some information. He needs, I don't know exactly why he's asking this guy or what, but he's looking for information so Peter Weller and him can still, you know, find out more about these dirty cops. That's what leads them to this porno theater. Now, there's porno uh, store, and one of the characters had it, it, it's the shot starts off on the counter when this guy's bought, buying not any of our main characters, just some rando uh, creep is buying some porno. And I'm not look, he couldn't he's not he just wants to get look, I'm not judging, but he's buying it. He's buying a porno called Hot Shorts. What do you think? <laughs> I thought a pretty tame title for a porno. I think it is very good. But then you, you see the cover. It's a bunch of spread eagle midgets. <laughs> but it's a telltale you know it's a porn porno movie because it's in a huge box like yeah. it's a huge like that's the thing that's how i think porn was differentiated from the other vhs movies back then it had a huge box well also one of the good franchises was huge box <laughs> so they they're in there and actually 
what they're doing, and I'm, I'm getting this a little mixed up, but there's another bad guy that they're looking to question. He, he, get, he's looking to, he, he's been paid off by some cops. He's looking to spend that money. He's going to buy some sex. He gets, um, he, he finds a lady and he says, Hey, I got drugs. I'll give you money to sleep with me. That starts to happen. Peter Weller and, uh, Elliot are on this guy's tail, but unfortunately another baddie electrocutes that guy to death. Yeah. But it does. That's when we started to get some action sequences though. Very strange actions, action sequence. Very destructive action sequences. This, this guy is action, action sequences cause a dick load of damage. They do, and they make no sense. So they're in this, this, this guy's in the honeymoon suite. This is the, this, the sex room. So it's in the top floor of this building, um, or at least close to the top. The, the, he gets murdered. The hitman, we'll call him that, starts to get away. Uh, Elliot, you know, they, they, he, they, they're in the honeymoon suite. They see this, this fried body. <laughs> it looks out the window and immediately identify for, in the crowd knows that that's the murderer. Right. And he goes, freeze police from like 11 stories up. (laughs) Sticks his gun out the window. Freeze police. This guy pulls out an Uzi and just starts mowing down the cops. And uh, it may be a Mac 10. Yeah, it's just insane. He, and he first, he does this trick where he has like these knives in his red, like Spidey knives that he does like flicks them and kills two cops with. Then he, then he mows everybody down with this automatic weapon and gets away. And instead of Sam Elliott running down the stairs, yep, he decides to jump out the window and uh, ride a piece I, of the building down. <laughs> yeah. Which in and it, and the, and it, the building comes loose, the piece of the building comes loose and, and he, and it hangs him over the, of the traffic and he drops down and gets on a, <laughs> A three-wheeled motorcycle with Peter Weller. <laughs> it is. It's like a chain of events that it's mind-boggling. Well, no, the motorcycle's later, isn't it? No, it's, that's what he drops down, and then he okay. then he uh, hijacks the and, and Weller's in the back um, of this three-wheeled motorcycle. It's a dumb-looking motorcycle, but it makes no sense that he he actually almost risks death to get down to the to the ground. Okay, like what ten seconds listen. earlier? Yeah, listen, coyotes. You hear them? Yeah. Such sweet sounds they make. You like them, huh? I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 then how much more destruction happens? So they're doing this big chase sequence happens, and Elliot gets his man. He kills this guy. Is this the amusement park? No, that happens later, Nick. Every scene one ups it. The, the next action scene is insane. And then the scene that ends the movie is absolutely incredibly insane. <laughs> Every action sequence is, it's just, it's, it's, I, I have to recommend this movie because people will watch the, watch these scenes with their mouths agape. I thought, you know, I thought honestly, okay. The roller coaster scene's insane. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. A huge mm-hmm. amount of damage. And he walks away from it, by the way, does not stay to file a report. Just walks away. Walks away from everything. He, but he, this the, guy, the, no. but I thought the film had reached its peak when a crane picks up the car they're in, the taxi they're in, and positions it in front of the courthouse. I thought that was it. I thought that was the big. It's like that's ridiculous. That would that blows my mind, and it's right. just icing on the cake. No, but so how this sequence ends with this hitman is that you know, Elliot 
this guy crashes his car. Elliot crashes his motorcycle and he is like hanging by, you know, like this, this chain link fence over a bridge. And they, the hitman is about to kill him, about to shoot him. Elliot turns around and shoots the gasoline around the car and everything blows up sky high, including the hitman. And that is one of the more, that's the, that's like out of the three sequences we talked about that, uh, the action sequences, that's the more, that's the most subtle of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say I enjoyed watching this movie. It's it's ridiculous, and I think it coasts on the charms of its two leads. It helps sure. that those guys weren't one and done. Like they're still relevant, yeah. And they're on special. I mean, life. Weller is so it's, it's so weird in movies, it, this included, but you know, likable. And Elliot is just a charm machine. Yeah. His character makes zero sense, but like you love him. Yeah, and I love the fact that they because obviously this is in the wake of Lethal Weapon, so they, the crazy cop is a thing that people wanted. And the, the fact that they chose Sam Elliott surprised me because he's always known as like this genteel, classy, sexy kind of guy. Even like in Roadhouse, he was the grounding force of that movie in a lot of respects. And that's a wacky movie. And Sam Elliott was the epicenter, like the, the calming element of that. And that's that movie came out at least right close to that was, the same well, year. No, that was in 90 or 89. Cause I worked at the movie theater when that came out. 89. So yeah, but so it was shortly after, but Sam Elliott always good. Always, always playing that kind of same role, but this is his one batshit weird, you know, yeah, action friend. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's like a, he's like, I guess he's kind of like Riggs, I guess. No, sort of. He's not. It doesn't, you don't get to know him enough. Like you just, he just kind of pops in for these action scenes. Like I wouldn't but, be surprised if we find out at the end of the film, he's a werewolf. <laughs> well, he wouldn't have to change much. You know, put about 10% more hair on him and then <laughs> he'd be, but my mom, this is why I always like Sam Elliott. My mom always had a fondness for him. She always thought he was a handsome man and she would always talk about how handsome he was. And so I always remember that when I see him, I'm always like, Oh, my mom had like, here's the secret. Everyone's mom. Love you think him. so? I think who I have a crush on Sam Elliott. I think he must have, yeah, maybe in the 70s or he must have been a certain he must have been a sex symbol, I guess. He's he's been a sex symbol since he fucking since the ejaculate that made him. <laughs> but I I mean, what movies was he? I just I don't know much about his career before the before like well, Shane Dunn. like the Long Riders and all that stuff way back then, but he's always been that and he and he, I, I mean, he's Harvey, Harley Davidson, the Marble Man. Wasn't he in that? Yes, I think he was. He's, Don always, Johnson. he's always the sexiest thing around. And even now, even now, yeah. like you watch Wyatt Earp, sexiest thing in that movie. Not now, I mean, that's like 20 years ago. I'm saying, or is he it was Tombstone, whatever one he's in. And, but no, he's a Tombstone, he's, but he, you watch but he, any but movie he, that he's in and he outclasses everybody. He's, I mean, Tombstone's close to this. He, I mean, he just was in Star is Born. Great in that he was great in the the cowboy that movie that, that was sort of his Oscar grab. He was in the bad guy and Justified for a while. He was great. Mustache without yeah that was weird to see. Mm-hmm. Just a just a an amazing guy. Can you imagine? Just try to picture either Weller or Sam Elliott like in middle school <laughs> or elementary school. Can you picture them as kids? What was Sam Elliott like as a child? You know, like was he just a was he? Did he have that magnificent hair and this the huge mustache? No, he's one of those guys. I bet you he had a very bad, awkward phase because he's got a goofy looking. He's got a kind of one. He's got this long, weird, twisty face. 
that is uh, I, I, ugly sexy. I, I guess that's the thing you'd say. Like, there's this weirdness to it, but it works so well for him. He's one of those guys that, like, you just expect, like Keanu Reeves or Sam Elliott, you expect them to have facial hair now. Like, you just, that's that's the version you want to see. You know, you, with, with, who else is like that? That, Burt Reynolds, I guess, back then. Like, who, who else? Like, you wh- couldn't do. Well, facial hair had is have, necessary? You had to have the facial hair. Yeah, you have to have it. Oh, man. It's a must-have. Yeah, there's a lot. With Tom Selleck, he's like a. Selleck. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Selleck, yeah. Um, we need to, you know, what we need to do. I was thinking of, we need to do uh, uh, High Road to China, whatever that movie he was, Tom Selleck's in. What is that movie? High Road to China remember? with Best Arm. High Road to China. We got to do that movie at some point. And then what's the other one that is like a knockoff of Indiana Jones, like King Solomon's Mines? That was with the, Sharon Richard Stone? Chamberlain. We got to do that. You don't want to? It's you've already it's already etched into the world. With- it's not etched. I didn't give it a number. As long you as you don't bring Treasure the Four Crowns into this, we're okay. That's a movie I was obsessed with when I was a kid. Wayne is that the Wayne? Is that the guy from uh, Wayne? He was like in one of those other sci-fi. Like, was he? He was in like not Metal Storm, but he was Wayne, little Wayne. Was it Wayne? Not Wayne Rogers. What was that guy's name? Wayne Crawford, maybe. He was supposed to be a big thing. Well, the the, the reason I was obsessed with this movie is because I saw it when I was sick from home from school one day on USA and I had no idea. I, it was just blew my mind. I was like, this is so cool. It has like this huge throne. It's like all these action scenes. That was supposed to be and, a 3d movie. Uh, Tony Anthony was the guy in that movie. It was a 3D movie. And I, I remember seeing it years later and it's such a pile of shit. Like my mind was lit on fire by this movie and it's such a letdown. But when I was a kid, I was like blown away. I thought it was like another star Wars almost. Yeah. Wayne Crawford was Jake speed. That was what I was getting. I remember everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sorry we're we're digressing a lot, but there's there's um, uh, I'm not concerned this, about the length of this episode to be honest. No, we got we got we got to do a three hour on this one. Um, I want to bring this up because you mentioned stunt people before. Uh, oh, during the the midget porn thing, Sam Elliott's stunt double in this is like a thing of legend, and Peter Did Weller's you? and Peter Weller's. Yeah, and they're very heavily featured. There is a like, shot of Sam Elliott's stunt double clicking. Uh, hanging to the wheel of a plane and Peter Weller stunt double driving the vehicle and they are dead ringers. Yeah. But they're in frame and they, they just don't even, you know, a lot of times with the stunt people on the screen, they're always hiding their faces. Right. It, uh, Peter Weller stunt double is looking directly in camera. And he's killing like, it. <laughs> but Sam Elliott's stunt double is wearing this. I don't know. Almost, almost like John Carpenter esque fright wig. Right. Like hair is, and it's just this fake looking. That's great though. And he's in, and he's always face down, like in all. So you can never see his face, but it's just this huge wig. It is. It, it's in so much of this film. Yeah. And it's just like to me, it's like I love that. Made me so happy every time there's an action sequence to see that wig show up. Yeah. They had to. They had to rep. They had to. You know, they had to make sure they got the hair wrong. I guess. I loved it though. I loved it. You can't replicate. Elliot's natural look. You can't. Yeah. Anyway. I think, I think uh, if ever a person embodied the word hang dog, mm-hmm. Sam Elliott. So Weller's in court. He's talking about the seven dwarves, of course. Why not? <laughs> and that's part of this thing. He's a, he's a very uh, unconventional, believe it or not, an unconventional lawyer. He's always, 
His closing always, argument is fantastic in this, by the way. Of course. It, it, his closing argument is he, he reads a passage of the Bible. He does, but he starts off looking like he's been defeated, and then he nails it. Of course. But he... So then, you know, he's always getting reprimanded by the judge, like he's because he goes too far, but he's proven points. He's unorthodox. Um, but in the meantime, the bad guys have decided that Sam or the cops, the cops the, who are the bad guys, uh, as per usual, um, they have they said Sam Elliott's character, one Richie Marks or whatever, needs to be killed, right? He needs to go. I think, is it, is it? Is it the cops that sick the hitman on him? I can't remember who does, but it's either the cops or the other guys. And so the, this is when the Nick was referencing the roller coaster sequence. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay, so there's this chase sequence that winds up in a in, in an amusement park. How does it start? What's Sam Elliott doing at the beginning of the scene? Do you remember? I don't remember. He's fishing, Nick. Oh, that's right. He's fishing in the dark. Well, that's He's fishing that's, at that's night. One, that's one of the best times to fish. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? Yeah. 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 I knew that. Yeah. Dark fishing, man. It's the best. I, th- I thought you're supposed to fish way in the morning. No, you fish at dark, man. That's the, you know, didn't you see Jaws, those guys sneaking out on the pier? I did see Jaws. Yeah. yeah so it's good. It's yeah, a good night one. Fishing is, uh, my, my dad's got it. My dad had a great story about night fishing when I was a kid. It's an REM song. It's a famous REM That's song, night, night fishing. fishing. Oh. Uh, but no, let me zoom in. My dad grew up on Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn, right? Oh, okay. right on the waterfront near Coney Island. He used to work at Coney Island. And he went to high school with Lou Alcindor. I don't know who that is. He became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, okay. Nice. I think Kareem went to Crispus Attucks. I don't remember where he went to a school near him. Anyway, and they he killed him. Um, but my dad was at the pier, and this guy hooked into something in the in the in the, in the early part of the night, and he fought it mm-hmm. until the morning. And they didn't know what it was, and they ended up when the they broke. They pulled out. He pulled out this gigantic manta ray oh, out, God. out of the sea. And my dad said it was like one of those like transcendent moments in his life. Seeing this did giant. They eat, did they eat the manta ray? They throw it back. I think they let it go. I don't. I, 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 you can eat the wings. You can eat the. But that thing is just a beautiful creature. You don't want to mess with a manta ray. They're wonderful. You can eat the manta ray's wings. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. Buffalo sauce. Have you, have you been Captain D's the manta ray? Have you not had the manta ray, at Captain D's? No. Oh my god, this it's good. I remember that song though by R.E.M. Night fishing. Yeah, uh, but no, yeah, he and uh, and and the happy ending is my father is dead, but um, the uh, yeah, so that's right. He is fishing, and I thought I remember it's a very it's a very Michael Mann shot kind of sequence where he's. Illuminated, yeah, there's two hitmen. A little silhouette. One hitman. Hey, one hitman has uh, wild hair. The other man. The other hitman has insanely wild hair. And so that you Nick talk about this chase sequence. So no. So he chases him into this amusement park. So yeah, one of the hitmen, Sam Elliott, gets the drop on any any handcuffs to the pier. <laughs> of course. And then he, the other guy, he threatens the guy has a knife on him, and he goes, "I'm going to shoot you if you try to stab me." And the guy runs away. And then that's this chase starts taking him place go ahead no and it goes to this amusement park and they and there's this you know the guys on that he's in on these various rides and sam's crouch behind things trying to get a, a beat on him and all that they wind up on a roller coaster he actually tackles this guy into a roller coaster which mm-hmm. is just leaving the village and he goes up and there's this fight scene on a roller coaster as it's going around sam elliott gets knocked off and he's dragging behind the roller coaster which looks very painful stunt double oh and then <laughs> 
the guy thinks he's won, and Sam Elliott rips the under like the back panel off of the thing, and he has like this line of like, "No, you're the one who's really going to hate this or whatever." He says, "No, fuck you" or something something stupid. And 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 once again, an, an extraordinary amount of property damage happens, where he's taken, I guess, the governor off of this this roller coaster cart. And this guy goes hauling ass, and then he flies off the rails like in that horrible movie from the seventies, and is destroyed. So the, that's the funny thing is that they have a fight sequence atop uh, the roller coaster as it's ascending, as it's doing its ascent, its slow ascent to the first dip, right, first hill. For, you know, it's climbing up, and the whole time you're like, oh, I hope these guys put their seatbelts on at some point, or they put that little the bar. That roller down, right. or collapse. Elliot, you know, gets flung off, like you said. And then this guy thinks he's won. He turns around and he's they have a close up on his face for like a minute as he's going around the curves. And he looks like he's he, he's he got a little blood on his teeth, but he looks like in a way almost enjoying it. And there's he's also kind of, of the of the tracks like you would see a Chevy show with Six Flags in the 80s. Yeah. And he takes a couple of turns, twists and turns, look like he's doing OK. And then he doesn't do so. The, the real, and that's in the trailer. They, they always showed that shot of the roller coaster leaving the tracks with sparks flying in the trailer. Now there was a Timothy Bottoms movie, I think, in the seventies. Mm-hmm. It was like the, there was like it was like called Roller Coaster. I think it was like a, a disaster film. And then there was yeah. also the Greatest Show on Earth back in the sixties, I believe. I just remember being real. I found those things to be really macabre, really scary. Roller yeah. coaster like deaths always. I don't like that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of movies that capitalized on that back then. Like the Fury, I think, has like a roller coaster type weird indoor roller coaster death, I think. Oh, when something like, like when Brad Pitt takes the tank onto no, no. we did it. We did the you know that we did the Fury, the movie, and there's some kind of some kind of ride death in that. Anyway, did you see the name of the roller coaster in this? No. It all makes sense if you see what it. What is it? The roller coaster is called the Shakedown. I wish so. That's where they got the name, I, the, the title of the movie. I wish it was called that. Um, and then uh, they had one of the other riders called the Blue Jeans Drop. So <laughs> you didn't see that either. Uh, yes, yeah, so the same. Uh, by the way, he, Wayne Crawford uh, left us in in 2016. Uh, the star of the Four Crowns movie. Yeah, no, no, the star yeah. of the movie. I thought he's Jake Speed. And by the way, the roller coaster scene. You're like, oh my god, they've really destroyed a lot of property. I'm glad that all of the ridiculous action mayhem is behind us. Nope. No. Nuh-uh. There's another. Looking um, how it's got some shit in his pocket. As this is happening, there's a. I mean, there's a couple. There's a drag race scene for some reason. There's a car called the Cracker. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. But there's Peter Weller gets the. He starts to sleep. Starts to have an affair with the the prosecutor because she had the he, coolest apartment in the world. It's from her after they sleep together. After I don't know what kind of positions you think they went through that night. Let's just hear some. Uh, oh, like the reverse Ognot. Yeah, like I think they did that. that. Like yeah, the stellar undergarment. Yeah, they did that. Yeah, the um, the belly ball, the cream cheese beholder. <laughs> but she the hair sample. Here's where okay, the, he's talking about love a lot in this. But the funny thing, okay, so she wakes him up. But he gets she gives him the ult, the adulterer ultimatum, right? About breaking said, it with the other chick, she said. Well, he doesn't spend the night the first time, and she said the next time we do this, you you're spending the night, and so that means you have to tell your fiance that we're together. Yeah. Um. But and uh, he wakes up in this amazing place right on Central Park. She brings mm-hmm. him breakfast on the patio. 
He's looking at the the you know the Central Park. Yeah, this is the second time that they do it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's astonishing. It's like okay, I get it, I get it, but then and then he but yeah, he he comes clean and he says, "I didn't tell my fiance. I said I was going out of town." Yeah, and then what does his fiance do to him in the very next scene? She pulls a pregnancy scare on him. The fiance. So, but it, during this conversation that they have, when the this the this the second woman, the prosecutor, is mad and starts to rip. Um, Peter Weller, he says, is this going to be some kind of female territorial doo-wop? <laughs> so he positions himself as a bone to be fought over by these, you know, like, I don't know, these, these ladies. And then, and then he says, she says, you're, you're, you're quitting the, you're quitting being a lawyer. You're going to work for your fiance's dad. And he goes, you think that's by choice? He says, this is what he says. He talks about his job. He says, it's kicking the life out of me. See, he says, see, <laughs> it's like a gangster, a like an old time yeah. kicking the life out of me. See, and the whole time that they're having this weird conversation, they have, there's this a little glass ball mo- mobile hanging behind them, like this piece of art that's just swinging in the wind. And I felt bad for it because it doesn't want to be there. It's a very intimate conversation. And that poor object, it's th- that's supposed to be there to inspire happiness yeah it's just like he probably was suicidal after that and, conversation and you see the cameo in that sequence what? inside it travolta <laughs> yeah, a little treat a little treat for the viewer but um so the next scene at the courthouse his lady his other lady drops the bomb that she thinks she's pregnant yeah they, they, you know in the courtroom the prosecutor and um you know, Weller playing dirty flirty in the courtroom and then he kisses her when they leave and then the fiance is there and she's Second like, hey, later new- she shows up. Newsflash, I'm pregnant. And here's my dad. And here's my dad with me. Yeah, and it's just like, it's just... He- and Weller in this movie is wearing what only could be described as Sarah, Sarah Jessica... What's her name? Sarah Jesse Raphael. Remember her? <laughs> of course. She had these big glasses, like these big red glasses that she always wore. And Weller is wearing those glasses in this he he has a strange eyewear in this right um, another connective tissue from previous episode did i mention her before no raphael from the teenage mutant Ninja turtles <laughs> um the, the, there's a there's um uh, you know weller gets news from a, a cop that that maybe a, a, a cop that's like willing to turn on his brothers and says, hey, remember that ghetto blaster at the beginning? There's in evidence. The drug dealer actually taped the conversation that happened. And it's that's in evidence, Peter Weller. You need to go get it. And so that's what Peter Weller does. He tries to get it. He breaks what into a police station. Well, he's, he's so he goes rebuffed. in there and, and our, our, our guy from The Sopranos, that actor. Yeah, he's smoking a cigar. Right, at smoking work. a cigar at work uncomfortably, and he's the guy who was a villain in The Sopranos for a couple of seasons. Um, he uh, he sabotages the lock in the evidence room, and Peter Weller, a man of the law, climbs to the third story or whatever. He waits for that time to fall. Yeah, and he climbs to like the third story. Of the he, like three solos up that thing. <laughs> it's very strange. Like he he looks at like a wall. It doesn't look like it has any purchase, and then he's all of a sudden he's Spider Man up that thing, yep. and breaks a window in the evidence room to get in. Like he, it's elaborate. It is elaborate, and he he is thwarted. And there's actually a horror movie moment there where he's in the room, and all of a sudden the lights come on, and it's it's like a horror movie moment because then it cuts. You don't know yeah, what happened. 
is the tape in hand. Yeah. Oops. And then our yeah, villain, yeah. Larry Joshua, which is, you know, probably a lethal weapon reference. Yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the actor's name. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Still, yeah. And he's, he's about to get slaughtered. This, this guy's got an elaborate plan to use the fire escape, the fire alarm to destroy Peter Weller and all this crap. Yeah. And then Sam Elliott shows up. Well, he used the, the fire alarm is to cover the sound of the gunshots from his partner. They're going to blow Peter Weller away. They're torturing Peter Weller a little bit. And what I love about that scene is that Peter Weller's taken his torture and uh, gun to his head. The guy plays Russian roulette with him like a champ. Very well. Like he looks like he's barely breaking a sweat. And I love the fact that the other accomplices did not know the plan and they're finding out on the fly. So he's like, yeah, from the worst he's like I'm gonna yeah. what? I'm gonna kill Peter Weller? Like now? In the year? It's yeah, very yeah. weird. It's a- and Larry Joshua is thrilled with his his choice. And then the weird thing is Sam Elliott shows up and mm. he interacts with, with Larry Joshua. Yes. And Larry Joshua doesn't shit his pants, which is strange. Mm-hmm. And then it sets in, in motion this this gigantic action sequence that ends the film that is irregular. So, you know, Sam, he rescues Peter Weller by blowing away the two cops immediately in the room, opens the door and shoots his fellow policeman. Um, Peter rescues Peter Weller. Um, And then there's, you know, what has to happen here, the chain of events that have to happen is that after Peter Weller is rescued, Weller has to go to court, win the case, which he does. Smelling like dick, probably. And then he has, they have to have the final weird action scene, <laughs> but they talked at one point. They, the, they talked to the judge again. Um, Cause he's trying to get this tape admitted this tape that the bad guys lit on fire. I think they salvaged it with this recording on it. The judge, for some reason won't allow it for evidence. She's like, fuck no. Even though it says it kind of, um, okay, by the way, you are like, glo- that beetle is doing fine. He just fucking flew. Um, my glossing over the judge interacts with peter weller at the end of the action seekers with the crane no this is before this is this is beforehand i well I, I might have mixed it up but she's basically saying you can't um let this piece of evidence in but what i was focused on nick and i hope you saw it too her desk has the absolute best thing in any of the movies we've done she has a tiny glass brontosaurus on her desk for no reason it is incredible i do not catch that <laughs> it's on her desk how are not every how's not every single character in that room talking about that piece of uh how are they not referencing it what's this tell me the story of this glass brontosaurus are you sure you it's a brontosaurus i fucking zoomed in i got my eye right up to my tv was its neck low or was its neck high it is high and it's a brachiosaurus probably a brachiosaurus jesus did i get it wrong brontosaurus is known for the low neck like where it's neck like low to the ground the brachiosaurus is known for up neck like up like i think it was it wasn't like a crazy giraffe neck if that's what you're asking okay so we might be brontosaurus then I look like a brontosaurus. It's it's the mid eighties. Brachiosaurus hadn't come in vogue that much at that point. Okay, yeah, and it's greenish. It's it's at the corner of her desk. If anybody's watching, so good fellas, the brachiosaurus really kind of caught on. Uh, Brachiosaurus. I have. I don't. That sounds like a candy. A candy. The bitches that were in uh, Jurassic eating the trees. 
Mm. Oh, those were brontosauruses, huh? Rockies. They had little nodules on their head. That's if you ever if you're ever in a situation where you need to determine what a creature is. Nodules Mm. on the head, Brocky. No nodules, low neck, Bront. Mm. What about long as fuck, Diplodocus? Just so you know. What about a judge's desk? That's true. Yeah, I'd say Bront. Um, so he wins this case, and they jump into a car, Elliot. They jump into a car to get. To get, I, I think that one of the bad guys in this is Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. Is that correct? Could be. Is that who that is? Could be. I think. And then um, oh, what, the, Larry Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The villain. One of the villains. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And so, he, so Sam Elliott. He doesn't make it in this film. So for they inexplicably know, for some reason, we're supposed to know that the bad guys are going to leave town together on a plane. Our heroes jump in this in a Porsche stolen from the other dirty cop. Remember the deceased dirty cop. He's got the, I don't, we didn't maybe talk about, but he has a Porsche that we doesn't matter. Um, and they, they go to the airport, <clears throat> Sam Elliott, uh, Peter Weller's driving. Sam Elliott jumps from the Porsche to the, uh, plane as it's about to take flight. And what does he do? Nick, you talk about this. Cause it is, I can't, nuts. I can't believe this. I do not remember this. I cannot believe this is the only thing I remember. did not remember I, this. If I, was a smart person mm-hmm. i would know this movie as a movie where a guy rides a plane around new york from the wheel but i know it is the one where Jimi hendrix is happening at breakfast for some fucking reason <laughs> so sam elliott latches onto the wheel of this plane as it's taking off and rides right as it takes off and, yeah, right ri- and rides off. directly towards the world trade center as seen on our instagram fucking no plan shooting it weird shit Meanwhile, he shoots. First of all, I think what he does, because I read a little bit about the sequence, I th- he shoots at the undercarriage of the plane. Now, I think what he's doing in there is he's shooting the hydraulics. So the landing gear doesn't get, you know, uh, pulled into the belly of the airplane. I don't know what that's called, but he shoots the hydraulics first. Fuselage. And then what does he do? He fucks up. He shoots the engine. Well, he, he, he shoots and he does it on purpose. He shoots and he shoots the engine of the plane. One of them. Then he throws a grenade into the fuselage, I guess. Uh, as he's, I don't know how many thousands of feet in the air. No, this he's is a billion feet in the air. <laughs> and the funny thing is, my favorite part of this whole situation is they cut into the interior of the plane. And you can see the Huggy Bear and Larry Joshua are concerned for a moment. Oh, there's weird shit happening. And then... Um, Mr. Sam Elliott does his damage. The pilot, it goes directly towards the World Trade Center, which uh, too soon. And then it goes back to the air, to the airstrip and it cuts back to the interior. And there's a look of resignation on Larry Joshua's face. That is wonderful. A wonderful, like he's like, am I going to have to answer for these actions or am I going to just get in a different plane? That's what I got looking at him. But the funny thing is, is somehow after being a billion feet in the air, um, it, it, it goes over a, a, a swamplands and Mr. Sam Elliott as Richard Marks is able to jump off the plane to his safety before the plane comes to an, a, a land. And here's, what's great. So there's two things that are great about this. First of all, there's a great jump cut of the plane exploding. Yeah. Hilarious lands it right? lands. And then it's there. And then there's a jump cut and it explodes and it's terrific because if you were, it looks like the, the explosion only killed the pilots. If you watch the scene, the, the the part where Larry Joshua and Huggy Bear are hanging out looks fine. 
So what Sam Elliott ultimately did was kill innocent people, first of all. But the best thing is that Sam Elliott has ridden a plane around New York City, destroyed a plane, jumped into the swamp, and Peter Weller is running to save him. And he's starting to take his clothes off to go rescue Sam Elliott, who is fine. Yeah, there's nothing. Sam Elliott's fine. Like Peter Weller, is, he's like going to rescue. He, why is he taking his clothes off? Why is he trying to be a rescuer at this point? So uh, it, the, the actor, the Huggy Bears, his name is, I looked it up, Antonio Farga, Fargus, who's still working today. Like he's, he's, a, he's always shows up and stuff. And he, I, I feel like he was going to be the bad guy in this really, but it really is Larry Joshua gets more of the bad guy screen time in this, the cop. Um, but you're right. It's, and you didn't mention this, I don't think, but it's all against this green screen. Like when he's up in the air under the plane, uh, it's the movie magic was lost on me. I, it felt so real to me. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it's projected the projected background, like Superman flying kind of and Sam Elliott hanging off the undercarriage of a plane. But it it is. It, and that's the one stunt in this movie that the one piece of action in this movie that, that does that. So it really sticks out. It you makes know, it looks, me thrilled. Um, Antonio Fargus's face looks like somebody uh, didn't line up the back page of a Mad Magazine right when they were folding it. Yeah, I'm just thinking like I, is Sam Elliott like is is he almost like um, straddling the wheel? Like his both legs are kind of sticking out, like splayed out. Yeah, he's he's riding it. Yeah, and he, and you see those blue jeans. They're, they're front and center, my friend. Yeah. Why didn't they call this underplane cop? That's what they should have done. Under like a plainclothes cop. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they mean by plainclothes. I never got it before. Yeah. But somehow, uh, I mean, and and the, the thing is, they've once again, the, the the sequel to this film would be billions of pages of paperwork. Sam Elliott looked old then. Yeah. But it would be him looking even older, finishing the paperwork, and then the credits would roll. So at the end of this movie, Peter Weller, it it after that sequence with Sam Elliott, it loses. The, we don't see Sam Elliott anymore. It's a Peter Weller show. He's at uh, dinner with his fiance that he's been cheating on. She tells everybody at dinner, her family dinner, that she's lost the baby. Lucky for us, because Peter Weller then stands up and makes an announcement that he, I guess, is going to break up with this woman right. to her whole family. Um, her, her dad has to be relieved, by the way, that because Peter Weller looks haunted throughout this entire movie. Every time they cut to his face, that is not a face that a father-in-law wants to see. You know, like just well, and, and and of course they try to make it. They try to lessen the blow by talking about the six hundred guests that they plan on having, and there may not be room for his people because they have so many people they need at this wedding. They're trying to make her unlikable in this movie, and I don't think they do a good job. They kind of make her silly a little bit, but I still, uh, to me, she's marriage material. She seems friendly and nice. She's certainly cute. I think Peter Weller made a mistake in this movie. Well, I mean, I would agree with you, but her womb is obviously inhospitable. Fair point, <laughs> I have to say. And Peter Weller once, he said, I want nine kids. Remember, that's how he ends the movie. But so, you know, the big thing in this movie is that Peter Weller loves actually loves to be a lawyer even though he's it kills him he loves to be a lawyer and him turning his back on that is incorrect for the world and so the last scene in this movie you see that he hasn't left his job he's back in the doing the dirty work he's back in the jail chasing cases and um that's the end of the movie like we care did you say, i don't did you say after the credits care. 
No, I as soon as the the credits uh, started to roll, I took a samurai sword to my nose. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, there's a scene where he's at breakfast with the other girl, and Hendrix is on. She goes, "Oh, it's classic rock," and he comes all over the place. You you identified the music perfectly, and his ejaculate covers the screen, and it says directed by James Glickenhouse. <laughs> We didn't really reference James Glickenhouse too much in this. You, you've said his name, but that is a fun it's name a to say. Great name. You know what's yeah. funny is it had this notoriety to it. Like Glickenhouse sounds like it sounds like a like grindhouse. It sounds like scary shit. Sounds like a huge studio. Glickenhouse Pictures or something. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. And it's just a fun name to say. Like, oh, you working for Glickhouse? You know, James Glickhouse? Yeah, I'm working for Glickhouse. I wouldn't if I work for that man, I'd just yeah, you know, so I when I think of Glickenhaus, I think of like if he was a realtor, those would be very earthcrafty type buildings. Like you would get yeah. good energy bills out of a Glickenhaus. He his friends call him Glicky. Okay. Which I thought was right. very strange. Which yeah. interfered with his buddy from the Big Bang Theory. Which yeah. So I'm glad you enjoyed watching this because I was really worried because I was watching it. Uh, and, and when they had the, uh, they dropped the gay and black, uh, innuendos, I was like, Justin is going to shit himself. I rolled right over those. I didn't talk about those. Yeah. There is some questionable language in this, certainly homophobic stuff and, um, racial or some racial stuff from, uh, the bad guys, obviously awful, the awful, uh, white cops in this, but, um, yeah, the old days when the bad guys were racists and not the people in power. What? I don't remember because oh. it seems like that's always been the case. Um, but, you know, this, you know, I was, you know, it's almost like you have to, especially certain words, not necessarily the N word, but like, it's almost like in the 80s, they, they could not stop dropping certain words, you know, say like, uh, I'm not saying <laughs> the other F word. Yeah. You know, you know what's and weird, so, though, is I'm in this weird place right now where. I understand why people are so up in arms about the cancel culture and how words are so have so much weight to them. Mm -hmm. There's this, I mean, there's a part of me that definitely wishes we weren't so anal about that, but not at the cost of all the other shit. Right. And it's just so weird because uh, the buttons, the buttons that people have right now, everything is so hair trigger. Mm. that it's a miracle people are able to be funny and able to be outrageous or aggressive without getting in trouble. And it just, it's, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't, it's, it's not going to get better ever, but I wonder um, if there's any sort of uh, checks and balances that are ever going to be in place again to where we're not either completely, homogenized as a, as a culture or we're completely uh, anti-PC to the point of being homophobic, racist, and insane. Yeah, I don't know the answer. The, the certainly um, words are violence, man. Man, it's true. And so I hope that you will hope at some point people would just be like, you know, hey, you know, we got to do better. But, you know, I think people use those words. They still use those words as as, as threats and, and to dehumanize The scary people, thing so. is, is, is somebody like me who is always kind of pushing buttons and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I recoil when I hear words like that now. And I recoil when I see, uh, when I see uh, 
sexual stuff done in any way that's cheap. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know if that's me evolving or if it's me becoming a part of the system or whatever. It's just it's 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 so much harder to have fun. Have you seen hot shorts? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I'm not going to be a prude about things. You know, I certainly realize that times have changed, but uh, I mean, I am probably a prude, but um, I, I just. You know, it's, we don't need to go into it. It's just, I hope things, it'd be nice if things, if people, you know, started being, you know, more loving to each other, Nick, wouldn't that be nice? Sure. More like, you know, like us, like I wish everybody could be like you and me to, to each other loving. Yeah. It's, it's a super love fest. So let's it's a huge love. Fest. So let's do the work. Mm-hmm. So you're at the tattoo parlor and, uh, you know it's it's a it's a it's a happy place because the guy has got shakedown posters all over. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, you're another one. What do you want from shakedown on your body?" I would get a roller coaster tattoo for sure of the, um, of the of the bad guy going off the rails of the um, of the roller coaster. So, like you know, when he's when the roller coaster goes off tracks, unless sparks come out, that would be on there. And underneath would be Jesus, a huge Jesus lifting up the roller coaster and putting it back on the track. <laughs> and the bad guy, the bad, the bad guy would have a look of amazement on his face instead of a look of, I'm about to die hard. Yeah. By the like, way, I'm not a religious person, mm-hmm. but I would love it if Jesus came back and he was 800 feet tall and people shit themselves. <laughs> Jesus is a kaiju? Jesus is a kaiju? What the fuck? It's amazing. God bless you. Um, so I um, have gone a little bit more esoteric with mine. I've got mm-hmm. a spread back. Uh, and they have done a perfect reproduction of, U- of U2's fa- most famous album, The Larry Joshua Tree. So it's, it's, is it him instead of the Joshua tree on the cover of the album? Absolutely. Or is, is he climbing the Joshua tree? No, no, tree? it, is, it is the is the is the members of you two in the foreground with Larry Joshua in the background, and they are spiritually aroused. I have a maybe I can help you with this. Let's have the members of you two there standing beside the Joshua tree, and then on over to the other side, Larry Joshua is pointing at the tree and and there's like a little dialogue bubble that's coming out and it says mine. <laughs> Joshua. And then, and then of course there's another dialogue bubble of thought bubble of Bono saying, I don't think it is. And then we see that there is a fire, uh, uh, emergency, uh, switch on the tree. And Adam Clayton is like thought bubble. I think it is his tree. <laughs> this is an elaborate tattoo that I can get behind. Finally. <laughs> well, you'd have to do you- my back. Do you, do, you, do you think that uh, where's you two during COVID, by the way? Where are they? Are they not present? I'm sure Bono's out there like acting all fancy in sunglasses. Which, what band is what big band's going to release their COVID? Well, like Smash Mouth apparently. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I'm just talking about what band is going to address this. Yeah. Has there has there been anything? Has there been a positive? You got COVID. So, you know, something like that. Listeners, like, who's got this is something that Justin and I have this thing going where we 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 are astounded by bands that are still alive. So we'll send people, we'll send each other just updates that, that certain bands are still around. 
Yeah, they're still playing. Yeah, and I got yeah. and I I didn't send this to you, but Dead Can Dance is still out there. Just so you know. <laughs> of course they are. And I was shot when someone referenced Ugly Kid Joe the other day. I looked them up, and they're still around. I mean, that's what that's what astounds me is a band can have one hit in like the early '90s and still be playing, like one like one single hit, and they're still around. Well, the reality, I guess, the reality of it is, is you can play to very small crowds. And it's still better than getting a real job to a lot of these people who haven't had any real jobs, really. So I get it to an extent. And, and if, you have a hit, if you have a hit of any sort, I, I, I sort of get it. But that has to be the equivalent of hell for a lot of people to to be caught in that Groundhog Day of that one awful hit for in that one awful period in history. Mm-hmm. But then again, part of me is like, well, that's the hell they deserve for making somebody like you or whatever the Ugly Kid Joe's song was. Right. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it's it just I think you're right. But it, it, yeah, I wonder if it's lucrative enough, if you have a big enough hit that maybe you that's enough. You can just make a living off that forever. Like You don't do anything else. You just go out and play, like you said, these small venues. And just well, and the reality of it is uh, breaking the, coins. the albums now is, is not a good business model because of Spotify uh-huh. and all that stuff. So I get it. I mean, that's why I yeah. kill it, completely kill it in the music industry. But, but I mean, we were doing Lost Boys and the saxophonist, the the, the joke, you know, the people that may be able to make fun of since Lost Boys came out, this the shirtless saxophone player. Show some he's still he's still touring, <laughs> still playing. I mean, what's he playing? Well, it's funny because that guy still is all buff. He's like he's at the gym. He's at Gold's gym. He's like, got to mm-hmm. keep that Lost Boys physique. That's my moneymaker. <laughs> you know, I got to keep that moneymaker growing. So, yeah. You know, I love it because to me, it's a hell they deserve. And and if they want to live in that hell, that's that's amazing. I would. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I, w- I should have been thinking of could I have ever had a hit? Yeah. You know, I thought this speaking of hits, I thought the song Shakedown, Breakdown, You're Busted. Everybody I thought that came from to this. The dad line, that did not come from. Right. This. Yeah. It's a Beverly Hills Cop song. Right. I think so. Yeah. Maybe even Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, I think I think that, that is it. Yeah. So we. Every almost every band that I've looked up that I've thought of is still is still around. It's it's rare when it, they're not still playing. I can't. It's it's insane. I looked up and like I told you, I looked up enough is enough. <laughs> they are still playing, right? You know. But then again, could you imagine losing out on a job to the drummer for Black and Blue? <laughs> I mean, that's a fucked up life. I was telling Slaughter, you, think, you think Slaughter's you think Slaughter's still around? There was and and actually one of the bands that is no longer around that is a great band from the early '90s, late '80s was a band called Follow for Now. Um, it's asking me if I'm still here. Um, I don't know them. I, they were a black rock band. I was big into the black rock band craze that followed Living Color, mm-hmm. and they were an Atlanta band. And I was in line. Remember back in the old days when you had to when if you did, you had to pay your phone bill in person. Hmm. So I was in line in Chambly at the place to pay the phone bill. And the guy, like two spots in front of me, looked very familiar. And I went over to him and I said, are you Enrique, the drummer for Follow For Now? And he's like, holy shit, how the hell do you know who I am? I was like, I love you guys. And he was notoriously erased from their f- debut album on the big ma- record label and replaced, even though he was their drummer. I paid his electric bill. Did you really? I paid his electric bill. And I was, because I, 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 I was like, I love you. I, this is the least I can do. And they're still not a band. It didn't work what you tried well, to do. The lead singer but, and guitarist went on to play with Dave Matthews, and that was the end of that. 
I'm going to give you a band. I'm going to give you a challenge here. And you look it up on your phone to see if they're still banned. Do you want to do, you want to do this? I'm, I'm down. All right. And I don't know if you know the name of this band. I hope you do. Rolling Stones. Flesh for Lulu. Of course I know them. Are they still playing? I don't. I bet they're not. They are not a band anymore. So when did they die? When's they the last? They died in 92 and then they tried to reform and, and they gave up in 2015. Oh man, so they it's recent. Yeah, you're I know why you like them. They they incorporate Mark Bolin stuff in their style. Do they? Yeah. I do All right, let me see if I can think of one. Um uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um Five for Fighting. Jesus. They had one song, right? I don't know. There's no way they're not still around. Yeah, they they've got a they're still killing it. I have to be. Let me see. Five for fighting. Are you looking them up? No, too? I'm waiting for your. Yeah, pre- they're present. God, of course, they're it. still playing. Damn it. Yeah. I mean, why don't you throw me something that, of course, they're still around, Nick? Give me a challenge. What about the alarm? <laughs> I used to like the alarm a lot. Yeah. Look them up. Are they around? <laughs> I'd be alarmed if they weren't. Oh, there's one I was thinking of, too. Um, Guess what, Nick? What? They're still killing it. <laughs> Um, let me think of one more. Um, bands, the bands cannot die. It's seriously, unless they are stopped by death or something, they can, they, they live on. Do me a favor and check up on raging slab. (laughs) Raging slab. I don't think I've ever heard of them. Survey says they, Nick, I have bad news. (laughs) They are still playing. In fact, they never stop playing. Fuck. It's 83 dash present. Holy shit. <laughs> so you have been given the financing for your own shakedown related enterprise. Mm-hmm. What shape does that take? <sighs> it's hard to beat Malachi's corn, but we have to. Well, that's our business venture. I forgot what they're called. Like, there's like a, there's a there's a business that actually does well with it, where it's a like you can hire a private jet for your own purposes. It's like Jet, mm-hmm. not JetBlue, but there's like this there's a there's a company, a very like a public company where you can get a private jet, basically. Yeah. And you could have you could feel bigwig. You can get you know into you know into the airport in and out real quick. Nice, nice, nighty tidy. And we have retrofitted all of these planes with when the landing gear comes down, a little homunculi of Sam Elliott on the landing gear. It doesn't interfere with the drag coefficient. The plane is as safe as fuck, but they have a little webcam so that on every screen when you're sitting there, as the plane begins to land, it shifts away from whatever movie you're watching or from the, the video of the flight's trajectory to a shot of the in inaction fake Sam Elliott clinging to the landing gear, and you get to watch him take you on home. And it's one of those things that it would be weathered, like pieces would be falling off of it, and you'd have to do some uh, upkeep yeah. to Sam Elliott. Yeah, it'll be like that Pirates of the Caribbean ride at, at the end of mm-hmm. summer. You know where you know the uh, the 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 pirates are looking a little Merle Haggard at the end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 
No, I like this idea. In fact, I, now I'm mad that we don't live in a world that, that, that doesn't exist. I have a kind of a, uh, an idea. It's a uh, Singwell karaoke machines. Okay. Now see if you can follow me on okay. this. So it's just a karaoke machine <clears throat> where, you know, with a little microphone hooked up to it. Uh, and so whenever, let's say purple haze comes on, that's one of the selections on the karaoke machine. You start singing into the microphone and it modulates your voice to sound like Peter Weller <laughs> sing well karaoke machine. Okay. okay. But here's the catch. It's cursed. These machines are all cursed by some, you know, ancient demon. Right. I have to figure out the, the paperwork on this. So every time you sing into it, you turn a little bit more, your visage, your, your body type turns a little bit more into shakedown era, Peter Weller <laughs> song by song till eventually if you sing enough into it, you become the spitting image of Peter Weller. That's gross and weird. What do you think? Oh, I'm down with it. I'm completely down with it. So, and it, you know, to be honest, and I know you're going to laugh. I was thinking about kickstarting it. Right. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Like the motorcycle in this movie. I think, <laughs> I think I just sing just enough to get kind of a, I wouldn't take it full Weller on this. I'd, right. I'd go partial Weller, you know, sing enough to get, you know, or is it something you wouldn't realize? Maybe you wouldn't realize it was till it's too late. I've turned into Peter Weller. I've been goddamned by this karaoke. I like machine. the idea of, of him going to his uh, general <laughs> practitioner and him asking the doctor, skip all the paperwork. Is Peter Weller? And the doctor nods. <laughs> Peter Weller. Um, okay, so you are, uh, you've finally been given the financing to produce a sequel to Shakedown. James Glickenhouse still yeah. rocks the world, by the way. I think he's in the cars. I might. Yeah, I might. He's in the car business. He exotic cars. Is he? Yeah, him and his. Is that him? That's the family the business. Man? Yeah. So his family is exotic car business, and he's more like more like James Glicken car. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You can cut that out. No. Feel free. No. Um. So yeah. So uh, what are you going to do? What's your sequel to Shakedown? I, it can't be just Sam Elliott filling out paperwork. So now let's let's go. Let's make it count. So um, I think the sequel would be it's it's more courtroom drama. Um, Peter Weller after this, he's at home with his new his Susan, the new the new bay in his life settling in, you know, and he's you know kickstarting the morning off again with some more classic rock and he's making a homemade orange Julius again. And then the cops bust through the windows like they, you know, off of off of ropes. They kick through the windows. They they kick down the door. They their guns are on them because he's getting caught in the act. Nick, he's making a copyrighted drink. The co the Orange Julius company <laughs> has has told the cops, and he is busted in this sting. And that's what the the next movie is. It follows his trial uh, that ends in his execution. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. And Sam Elliott's it, you know returns. Uh, trying to help him, but it, he just can't, you know. Right. It's like that Vince Vaughn. What's that Vince Vaughn movie with uh, Anne Heche and Joaquin Return Phoenix? Right at the end. What is it called? Return to Paradise. Yeah, it's similar to that. Or at the end, they can't save Joaquin. He gets hung. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Thank you. Um, mine is a kind of you? mine's a sequel and a spinoff. So Peter Weller's is a judge now. This is current Peter Weller. Mm -hmm. He's a judge. 
and uh, he accidentally solves the lament configuration. <laughs> okay. And uh, so he begins to call the ch- his chambers hell. Like, hell is his chambers. So he's like, see me sure. in my change chambers. And they're like, I'll be happy to, sir. And then pins will, you know, hooks will appear and rip them to into hell. <laughs> he's like, you're now in my chambers. Well, Sam Elliott finds that the decayed body of a prostitute still in the force blue jeans cop still wearing blue jeans he's got those bedazzled blue jeans that like a lot of older guys wear now that are like when they're trying to feel young oh yeah like that hardy type yeah so he's got those yeah and he it turns out that this hooker is the daughter of peter weller's character and he is like oh shit i better go tell him in person and he goes to the courtroom and peter wells is like i'll see you in my chambers Sam Elliott is yeah. brought to hell and he has to blue jeans his way out of that shit. I love this. So this is so much better than my idea. So, and he does he, can you spoil it for me? He a- absolutely does. And, uh, in, in typical Richard Marks fashion, mm-hmm. he, uh, attaches pinhead to a Concorde jet and flies <laughs> him directly out of hell, shits his pants in space. And, and pinhead is sent, deep into the atmosphere where he interacts with Craig Sheffer in, like in that other Hellraiser space movie. By the way, more like Sam Helliot. <laughs> more like Peter this. Heller. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like the idea. Yeah. And, and, and of course, Peter Weller's voice, like it's mostly a voiceover job for him. Mm-hmm. You know, how like Pinhead were like, I planned, you know, he's like, Go ahead, explore. I will have forever to render your flesh. You know, he'll have like sayings like that. So every once in a while, the voiceover Peter Weller will be talking to Sam Elliott. He's like, feel free, explore. I will have forever to make myself an orange Julius. (laughs) (laughs) I just think the idea of Sam Elliott in hell is amazing. It's like, it's like his voice would just make the devil wet himself. Yeah. Like the devil thought he had a booming voice or something, you know, but Sam Elliott comes in. Yeah, there the devil, like, the devil's sitting at his throne and Sam Elliott moses up. He's like, I like your style. And the devil loses it. He's like, you are too fucking cool. You're cool. And finally, hell is frozen over because you're so fucking cool, Sam And Elliott. the devil's you know, mom like, is like, I'm wet. Yeah, Sam Elliott looks around, dusts off his jeans. He's like, well, I've been goddamned, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then he winds up just taking it all in. He wakes slowly. up. He comes to in the parking lot of a Denny's. He's like, shit, I'm free. And he's like, and then he hears the voice of the devil. He's like, well, you made my mom come. She really. I mean, how many, really how many times? Of Sam Elliott. <laughs> how many times has Sam Elliott heard that in his life? You know? Yeah. You made me come. You made my mom come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You made my you made, uncle you made me come with my mom. Yeah. A lot of that stuff going on in Sam Elliott's yeah. life. Yeah. I'm sure yours. They probably can't. By the way, I called that movie that he did the cowboy. It's the hero. And I apologize to the listeners for that. Is that a recent? That's a recent. Yeah. Movie. Quite recent. He still, you know, he did that Bigfoot movie a couple years ago that people. Yeah. Liked. The guy who killed Hitler and Bigfoot or whatever. Did you see it? I don't think I did. I got Nick. I got to catch I up. Get, with Sam I, I get mixed up. Like I've seen a couple of movies with that premise. I don't remember which one. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see a Star is Born. I didn't see the Bigfoot movie in this Hero movie. I, I love see. a Star is Born, and I, and I love Hero. You know, it's funny. I bought Hero sight unseen because 
he's the star and that's all i needed to know and it's not a great movie it's you know it's it's like crazy heart sort of with a cancerous actor yeah but sam elliott it's all i need you know somebody's given him a starring role i am perked up yeah so you um you're in shakedown man uh, pinch me i'd be thrilled who would I be? Yeah. Who? What character would right. I would I play? Well, think just vision this and just think back to the roller coaster sequence. Okay, and then you know you're on the the fight sequence breaks out. Um, Sam Elliott falls off the, the 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 roller coaster cars or whatever, and the bad guy flies off the rails and crashes into. Um, it looks like it, it crashes into like a, a some you know food area something right. And then the camera pans to me. I'm the roller coaster operator. And I just have this. The all my whole role is I just have my mouth is just wide open, like, oh, yeah. Um, and then I say my one line again. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That's me. I'd be that. I'd be. My name would be uh, Cloyd Smith. <laughs> That's my character's name. So I'm actually Sam Elliott's rival on the force. Oh, wow. I am Genera hypercolor cop. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I wear those shirts that change colors when you sweat. (laughs) I know. You can put your hand on it and like a handprint. Now, folks who are under the age of like 45 do not remember this. I think it's about time hypercolor comes yeah, back. So there was Genera was a hot product to wear when you were in high school and it was called the Genera hypercolor and so when you when it, when it moisturized it would change color. Mm-hmm. So if you're sweating profusely the the shirt you're wearing or the pants you were wearing would change color. Yeah, but even if someone touched you like put their hand right. on you their handprint would stay. Yeah. Well, I want to zoom in the hand has moisture. Okay, fair enough. But the uh, what I was going to ask you, or t- do you think that that product lasted? Was it, was it cool for it longer was, than a it year? It was cool for minutes. It was, for it minutes, was minutes, right? Yeah. yeah. But the, that's, that's what sucks for this cop is like, he's known as that guy shows yeah. up in red, leaves in blue, you know, shows up in pink, leaves in lavender. That's, that's right. his shtick. And he, and he's, and he's just as reckless as, as Richard Marks. He's just mm-hmm. as nuts. You know, he will, he will turn a, minor possession charge into a destroying of a skyscraper. He will do that yeah. shit. But sadly, in the wake of Sam Elliott, Denim never dies. Denim's forever. Yeah. So a short-lived career. Uh, and then, uh, so, but what, there's a moment. What musician, what musician name do you have? You have to have a, like Richard Marks type name. Oh, I'm Kurt Pengley. <laughs> the rhythm guitarist from excess. That's who I'm named after. Is he the guy that was, had, glasses had glasses and he also played yes, saxophone? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The second most, wor- most recognizable I, character. I used to worship him. Yeah. It's like, oh, I thought he was. So oh, you cool. could be a nerd and succeed. Yeah. And I was in Target when I was in Target today. They were pumping out in excess. They were playing in excess there. Now, which song? Because there's some great in excess. I love in excess back in the day. Um, you're my kind. I don't know how it was. I need you tonight, uh, right? I need you tonight. Yeah. I need you, yeah, I need you tonight. And it was during the day, and I said, like, I complained. I said, This isn't. Is this a listen like Thieves record, or is this on a kick? I need to know. 
It's off a kick, my friend, I think. Yeah. I was a big fan of that Listen Like Thieves record and Kick. So there was a song before they broke. The first music video I saw of theirs was a song. Yeah, they're at the big dinner table. What You Need? Uh, that was off Kick, I think. No, the one that they're at the the dinner table, that that was like their big No, no, hit, What You Need was off hit. of their first album. Yeah, that, no, what, what You Need is what I was thinking of. Dun, really? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that, that's what I heard today. Uh, they have a lot of they have a lot of good songs. I have to say, they were actually they, they well they stopped. There's a band that doesn't exist anymore. By the way, I know. Well, they tried. They had a they had a reality show to replace the lead singer. Are you sure they're not still around? They're not still around. Yeah. So what you need was their first hit, and that was off of Listen Like Thieves, and then Kick was their big blow up, and that was. No, the, their first hit was The One Thing. Do you remember that I song? Don't. Let me listen to it real quick. You can cut all this out, right? Wait. Original Sin had Daryl Hall on backing vocals. Wow. One Thing was off of yeah. uh, Shabu Shaba. Mm-hmm. That's like their first album. Nope. Their first album was called... They had two before that. One was called Underneath oh. the Colors and one was called In Excess. Oh, well, this this is their first big hit. Well, you know just what to do to me. That's, yeah, but that's how What goes. You Need was the first American hit. That was a- yeah, yeah. Well, that was a big hit by them. They had a lot of hits actually. Anyway, and Michael Hutchins' uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, right? He took it. He took it out. <sighs> that's the rumor, uh, and the kind of salacious rumor. There's other people that said that he he just killed himself. Like that was he actually just and the cum was just like a side effect. All right, so a great, a great, great front man, Michael Hutchins. Great hair. Uh, Kirk Pengley is the cop that I'm talking about. Um, I think we're on the island. I mean, you know what I'm taking. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it quick. All right. Well, okay, so guys, you're on an island. This is a mm-hmm. big part of the show. We've gathered debris from various films as we go. We've created this haven for these items, and uh, we each bring things for, the, for these islands for our own use. And so, what are you bringing, Justin? I mean, you know, I'm bringing the glass brontosaurus from the judge's desk. You know, I'm bringing that. And you just picture me on my island with that small little bobble, whatever it is, this little, you know, statuesque brontosaurus. I'm rolling around in the sand with it. I'm at night. I'm sleeping with it, even though it's hard and it hurts my head. Mm-hmm. I still will sleep with it. It's my prized possession. And then one day, a dinosaur book washes ashore. And I, I flipped through it and I realized it's a bronchiosaurus. I was wrong all along and I whipped that thing out into the sea. It's over. Our relationship's done. Oh, man. That's fucking rough. Yeah. I like to throw things into the sea. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things well, to do on my Well, life. the good news is it, it washes back ashore and you get to have that secondary experience with it. Yeah. Speaking of what about washing you? back ashore, is uh, luckily that same thing happens to me. I, um, I was at it as an impasse as to what I would take from this island and... My first choice, I, I felt very bashful about it. And I threw it to sea, and luckily it washed back ashore. So I have the uh, briny remains of the uh, child that almost happened. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's there. Uh, I've got it on a pedestal. Uh, I, I named it Stevenson. The briny remains, huh? 
and fe- heavily featured on your island as as if uh, a thing to worship, I guess. Yeah, Stevenson. I, I I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, that's it's got a, some DNA of Peter Weller, I guess. Right. Um, DNA of the uh, Blanche, whatever name right, is the right. And so I, oh. you know, every once in a while I perform a ritual hoping to bring it, bring it to fruition. Never happens. Yeah. But I got that wet thing um, on the mantle. <laughs> I have the little glass dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs>
show Our own head queen 